How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to edition number 49 of Joe vs. World. My guests today include an old friend and a newcomer to our little show, although he's no stranger to podcasting. The former is Rob Naylor, the latter, David Bix. Gentlemen, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. good. That's good. All right, well, today's show, it's all about the, the Global Wrestling Federation and, and my love for the GWF. That's, that's well known. I remember talking about it all the way back on show number two. I wasn't really planning on doing this show. It, it just kind of happened. I was talking global on the, the Death Valley boards. Rob joined in. Bix, he said, we, we really need to do a show about this. And it's like, we, we do. So, so here we are. And um, I guess for those who don't know, Bix, why, why don't you explain what the Global Wrestling Federation was for those who weren't aware? Well, first I want to make sure Rob didn't disappear because I just heard some noise on the line. No, I'm definitely here. Go ahead. Okay, good. Uh, Global Wrestling Federation. Well, thankfully I actually happened to have come into possession of the observers from when Global started. Uh, so I guess you have to go back a little bit before it actually started to get the story. Uh, on ESPN... They were running uh, USWA Texas, mm-hmm. which was the they shared angles with the Memphis promotion, but not exactly. And they were, you know, all owned by Jerry Jarrett. And things started to sort of go downhill with for them TV wise. The uh, TV show that aired only in Fort Worth that they used to tape at the uh, Will Rogers Coliseum, but then later got taped on Saturday mornings at the Sportatorium, got canceled. I think around the middle of 1990 because the station was very upset over John Tatum super-kicking Tessa. And, uh, Rob, do you want to talk about Tessa now or later when we get We'll talk about my baby Tessa a little bit later. Continue. Okay, so, yeah, they lost the TV there, and then ESPN did not like the uh, man-on-woman violence either, or woman-on-man. They didn't like the blood, and they didn't. They didn't like, for whatever reason, they didn't like the same wrestlers appearing on the shows all the time, which I don't know how exactly you're supposed to rectify that. I mean, well, Global ended up flying in a lot of guys at the beginning, so that fixed that a little bit. But anyway, around, I guess it was the fall of 1990, when USWA was locked out of the Sportatorium for, I guess, about a month or two, like Kevin Von Erich's restarting world class, they ran a series of three tapings around the loop in the Memphis territory to get so they could have like they got like a good three months of TV out of this. It was one night in Memphis at the Mid South Coliseum, which was the USWA Unified Title Tournament. Mm-hmm. Then the next night was was in Nashville, which featured the appearance of Olu Oliami, a Nigerian investor. And I forget if they mentioned the Global Wrestling Federation name then or not. But and then finally a third taping in Louisville. But that was the first appearance of Olu Oliami, and there started to be hints dropped by Joe Pettacino on the TV about how the Global Wrestling Federation was coming to the U.S., and they were going to possibly accept USWA as a member of their big international organization. But anyway, uh, Jarrett sold the Texas end of the promotion to uh, Joe Pettacino and or Olu Oliami, and we got Global, which had, at first, was trying to do five days a week of original programming on ESPN, which I know sounds absolutely ridiculous now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they started doing, you know, original shows every day. Then they released it to, they have reduced it, excuse me, to four a week with a recap show on Friday and reduced a little more over time. And they also had syndicated shows, one or two of them, and... Uh, 
believe that the syndicated show got repeated on ESPN during the week, at least from looking at the Observer that I was just looking at now. And um, anyway, they started with, uh, well, I guess let's go to Rob now to talk about the tournaments, which is how they started on TV. Yeah, whatever happened to Olu Oliami while we have time here? Do we know? Um, he didn't have the money and disappeared and blah, 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 obvious joke about Nigerian email. Wow, so he disappeared. Maybe Joe Pettacino ate his ass. No one really knows. It's kind of confusing. I don't know. I, I always thought that Joe Pettacino was Mr. Global, but as we will find out later in this wonderful conversation, I don't think Joe Pettacino even made it to like 1993 with Global. I think he was gone. No, I, don't think he even, he might, I think he might have been gone by the end of 92. Yeah, I think he yeah, had sold out by 92. He was at least off TV by then. Wow. He might have... I think he was... No, he might have still been around into 92... But uh, actually, meanwhile, you keep going to look at Obsessed with Wrestling, because I know they're not always right, but they had something about um, saying when Pettacino was the promoter before he sold to Gray Pearson, but you go ahead. Yeah, when did you... Okay, here's the thing that we'll all maybe touch upon. The first time you saw Global, right? Like, when I was yeah. a kid, yep. I didn't know it was coming. I didn't know what was going to happen. I turned on ESPN, and it was wrestling, and... I was like, what the hell is this shit? Because it was just, it, honestly, it wasn't world class, and I loved world class, but I was like, okay, this is different. And I actually was kind of stoked about some of the names I was seeing, because they were cool, because when they first started, they'd run, like, all these teasers of every match that was going to be in these 97-man tournaments, and, like, you'd see, like, a thousand people who you read about in magazines, you'd be like, wow, that guy, ooh, wow, look, that guy, too. And I remember I was really into Georgia All-Star Pro Wrestling with names like the Fabulous Fabian, who was actually the Handsome Stranger and later Buff Bagwell, and there was guys like... uh, Chris Walker and I think was Big Bully Busick in Global. I don't he think was. he was. No, he was. He came to ban it out. Yeah, I remember. Wow. I remember that because um, first of all, yeah. I thought I thought that was bullshit because like like Bad News would team up with this white guy, but um, yep. no, he had an <laughs> angle where uh, he had the heart punch, but he insisted it was the Bully Blaster and thus, thus different. <laughs> bully yeah. Blaster, Jesus, yes, memory's coming back already. Good job, Vic, for remembering that. I remember oh, him yeah. on WWF. And I just, I, I remember. I just, I just I watched mean, this stuff. This is not. But yes, yeah, I can I confirm. Mean, and uh, when I saw him in magazines, I thought he was awesome. And then I saw him on actual global, and I thought he sucked so much ass. <laughs> I was like, dude, this guy is not that good. What is Bill after smoking? But like, I don't know. That's good. The bully blaster. I remember that definitely. And him in bad news. Okay, you're right. I remember. I um, I know Chris Walker got signed by WWF like while he was a tag champ. So some mm-hmm. some things never change. And he was made into a jobber real quick. Yeah, yeah, he lost to Sid. Yeah, I know. Awesome power bomb. I love Wimpy matches, and he was King Wimpy for a while there. And uh, so did uh, Nick Busick, or Big Bully Busick. He got signed, yeah. and he made a jobber. I remember a match he had against Jim Duggan on, like, primetime, where he jobbed to the, the three-point clothesline, where no one, he unless you were a jobber, you didn't job to that move. He really sucked. Plus, he was a strong man. It didn't look very strong. <laughs> he was I'm kind of a dick for saying that, because I'm not strong at all. I couldn't even, like, lift 10 pounds. But, like, seriously, Big Bully Busick was like, this man can move houses. He weighs what And, like, he he looked like, you know, lesser than Jim Powers, so I don't really see what the intrigue was. <laughs> That's but he true. he did have a look. He had a look. I'm not going to deny it. I remember so the, 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 the Walker. Yeah. But, um, Nothing so, else, though. Speaking of who didn't have a look was Billy Black, who was also from Georgia, who was just this really, like, bad shape. But Love Billy Black. They, they pimped him like he was a super high flyer, which I guess he sort of was for 1991. And they yeah. and they talked about him going to Japan and beating Jushin Liger and Kenneko Bashi and... <laughs> 
which I I can't verify this or not, but um, no, I don't know what what happened to him. I'm well. I was actually I was talking to Rob about this. I was reading these observers that uh, I forget who was wrestling, but it was someone who didn't want to take his big flying moves, and you know, so he toned it down. But then later in the match, that guy also decided to move when uh, Black tried to bombs away knee drop, so he destroyed his knee. Oh man, and mm-hmm. I. That was just about the last of him. I mean, he might have been around on and off after that. But. Oh, there you yeah, go. I remember he would wrestle like Rob Van Dam and Peach State Wrestling or something in like 1994, three or four. I'd be like, whoa, Billy Black's still kicking. And then when Paul Lee brought him and Bull, Bull Buchanan, I swear to God, I think it was Bull Buchanan and uh, Billy Black got a random match at the Eliminators. And I think Billy Black was too much of an asshole for even the ECW locker room, which amazes the hell out of me. Imagine what that says, right? But, uh, yeah, so he bounced. And he was in Smokey, too. He was their TV champion, and he walked out on Cornette. I remember, wow. I'm, I, I love Billy Black, so I remember all the times he showed up and was gone. But, yeah, he was the biggest can't miss, who can't probably Ooh, missed. Who missed. But um, back yeah. to the, the, the history of this. I I tried doing some research for this, and there's not a lot of global info out there. I mean, yeah. someone has a web page for, for Herb Abrams' UWF. Yeah, what and I'm like, is with that? And I'm like, oh, there's nothing for global? And, and I found, I think it was, I found it somewhere, maybe in kayfabe memory. Someone was talking about a family in, in Atlanta that was kind of the co-funding, the Orr Street family. Yes, out of Atlanta. Street. I knew I remembered them, so they actually existed. We have proof. Good. I was talking to Bix about that the other day. I'm like, "Yo, man, was there the Overstreet family?" Yes. I just I remember, remember the name. Love name dropping them. And I yeah. thought they were kind of the for a while, the, the or at least part of the the money behind it. Wow. So, but so they existed. They weren't like the tag champs that got killed on the Autobahn. They were <laughs> real people. <laughs> English lords. English lords. Yeah. English lords. Is were, it? Yeah. No, they didn't get killed, though. They were just, at least one of them was crippled. I remember this from the uh, Pedicino interview in Wrestling Main Event. Yeah. It's worth noting that Global did try to position themselves as a global with offices all over the world. Yeah. And they, like, yeah. the, that's why you had the, the North American champ instead of the, because, yeah, you know. Yeah, they never had a world champ. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they had a world champion. It was Baron Von Steiger, but. Um, yeah, or it might have been Von Steiner, but, yeah, and. He just, I think he just disappeared. They talked yeah. about him, and then he never ended Did up. Did he existing. exist either? Like he didn't exist. No, he didn't exist. No, no, the guy's incredible. Exist. This is incredible. Like you have <laughs> people who were tag champs that died and were, were <laughs> ravagely injured in a car accident. This should be applied to more wrestling. Like figure today, like Danny Moff apparently is a pederast. Well, imagine if Gabe was smart and he said, you know what, Danny Moff died in a car crash or he was killed in a drive-by shooting. It'd be way more entertaining to tell your fans. If I was running a promotion, and God help everyone if I did, I would totally use that whole thing. Whenever I had to eat with somebody, oh, yeah, they're dead. You know. <laughs> whoops. They're dead. Yeah, whoops, uh, grandma, grandpa, and, you know, uh, Jim Powers got capped. You know, I would just try to make up reasons for them to be gone. And that's great. I mean, that maybe. Maybe there was a tag team, and maybe Joe Petticino, maybe they stole his food. Maybe he just said, okay, you guys, you know, screw you. We're going to get you. You you die on the Autobahn. That's great. God yeah. bless Global. Who the hell else would do something like that? Well, apparently it was Billy Eadie's idea. God, he's great. Yeah, he Bring was the, uh, the booker at first until they brought in. Uh... Yeah, well, he was like, he was on a New Japan tour, so we didn't book the first few shows. Okay. But, yeah, he did a lot of the booking at first, you know, along with Petticino and... Whoever else was involved there, and uh, yeah, but were you and you doing my research? If, well, for anyone who's listening, uh, well, we'll plug my podcast at the end of the show. But I did do a, an interview with Craig Johnson, who was the announcer for the first year or so, and he gave shed it some interesting insight. But it was anyway. a really good interview. And yeah, did you listen to it? Yeah, did you listen to it? I, I listened. 
did I? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure oh, I did it somewhere. I okay. <laughs> to listen to it. it kind of runs together, but yeah, yeah I do recommend that. It was good. <laughs> it was very good, and Edie was very good on those first tapings. Like I remember, they showed access to Demolisher. Uh. I'm like, look at this shit. I'm like, they can't even bring him in with his real name. And his paint was like, he bought cheap paint, so like it wasn't legit looking cool paint. It was like falling off his face. I was like, wow, bargain basement face paint. This is awesome. And he, he just, he talked different, which he talked like he was supposed to talk. He didn't talk again. He talked more like man superstar than X. Exactly. Yeah. And he did that damn clothesline, which he never did in WWF, that crazy-ass flying clothesline. He was yeah, he did it as a superstar, out. but yeah. Oh, yeah. He did it as a superstar, then he was Axe, and he dropped it, and then he came back as Axe as the demolisher, <laughs> and he did it, and it was very good. And I remember, I should have put two and two together that that guy was booking. They had so many cool bookers in that fit. I mean, think about it. They had Joe Pettacino, maybe Bonnie Blackstone. You had Axe the Demolisher, and Manny Fernandez, the king of wrestling, later on in the 1990s. Yeah, and the Eddie and Gilbert. And Eddie right? Gilbert. Jeez, yeah. Wow. Uh, we should yeah. talk about – I want to mention the uh, <clears throat> the early commentary team, Craig Johnson and, and Scott Hudson, who went on to WCW yeah. like nine years later. Very good. I, yeah, watching their stuff, it's good. It's not the usual – they were both kind of just faces and called it more. As a sport, and they would mention other federations. They would say like, mm-hmm. "Oh, the the Maulers. They used to be the royal family in in WCW, but now they're you know." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, they had a whole remember... news segment too. Yeah, with Pettino, where they would talk about, and you know, he would talk about how he was very disappointed that Tommy Rich decided to join <laughs> New York Foundation and become Tommy <laughs> yeah, Rich. Not only that, but, but I remember when, like, right when Flair was, that was the year, or the summer, Flair jumped, and yep. I was watching that shit to see the latest on Ric Flair, because no one really knew, I wasn't a letter person then, so I didn't know any of the insider yeah. stuff, but I was like, whoa, look, they know where Ric Flair's at, I wonder what's going to happen, maybe he'll show up in Global, or maybe he'll get in a car wreck, and no one knows, so, it was really cool to find out where, like, Ric Flair was at that time, but yeah, they're... I liked Johnson and I liked Hudson because they knew how to put over the wrestlers more than themselves. If you watch the first three months of that company, Scott Anthony's like the killer of the whole, he's like the king of the whole fed because they just allowed Scott Anthony to slice and dice the announcing team up. Like he called, uh, he called Craig Johnson like Eddie Munster on growth hormone and like he made fun of Bill, he said that Scott Hudson was like a low rent Bill Watts, or <laughs> Bill Watts with anorexia, I mean it was really good. <laughs> I, Those guys are great. I remember an old like uh, a list of the top 100 wrestling quotes, and I swear like three of the top ten were, were Scott Anthony making fun of uh, <clears throat> like uh, Scott Hudson for being bald. It's like yep, uh, I heard you got a crew cut, but the crew, <laughs> crew never came back. Was my favorite one he said. Or you've yep. got a uh, wavy hair and it's waving goodbye. Yep, he's <clears> and off. Of course, all the lines about how pa- the Patriot was really a Russian spy. <laughs> yes, the it's Russian Sputnik, spy. I believe. Yeah. You know, we we had mentioned Bonnie Blackstone, and, and in my research, I found out that get this, she, she didn't was, wear a bra. Oh okay, no, I'm sorry. Well, no, that, I discovered that at a very <laughs> early age, but but she was married to Joe Pettacino. You didn't know that? I didn't know that. Swear to God, dude. I think to this how scary is that yeah. offspring, man? We gotta find. Okay, if Joe Pettacino or Bonnie Blackstone's illegitimate or legitimate kids are listening, contact us immediately because we want to see what you look like. Can you imagine what? seed Joe Pacino could have fertilized. I don't know, man. It's pretty scary to think about. I mean, Bonnie Blackstone was like, when I was a kid, I thought she was hot, but now that I'm older and wiser, I look at her, I'm like, oh my God. Like, seriously. She is scary. She's very scary. And every other woman that ever worked with Bonnie Blackstone talked about how she smelled and how she didn't wear both ears. <laughs> so, 
But you know what? I'm making friends here, but Joe Pettacino, you know it's true. And uh, Bonnie Blackstone, you suck. She was actually really good, though. <laughs> no, she wasn't. I, I was going to cap a Bonnie Blackstone interview with Mucka Singh. But if you can't see her facial expressions, you really can't tell just how horrific she, she was. She was way over the top, and like, okay, but she probably did suck at what she did, but like, honestly, there was always this one promo where Tom Davis and Mike Davis, and Tom Davis is Tom Burton, but I guess they wanted to be, yeah, you could be a Davis there, like in Global, you could die, you could be a new family member, it's all good, so Tom Burton became Tom Davis. And they acknowledged he was Tom Burton. Oh, they did though? Okay, we could. I think they did, I think they said, and they said, oh, now he's claiming he's Tom Davis. Awesome. So he's just all of a sudden in a new family. And I remember they had an interview, and they were trying to get them over as not just the Davis brothers, but the the dirty Dirty Davis brothers. And he, I swear to God, Mike Davis does the fingers to the tongue cunnilingus motion, and Bonnie Blackstone (laughs) seriously looks like she's ready to puke. It's so good. If anyone has this on video, please send it to me immediately because it's so funny. Yeah, I literally remember it to this day. We would be making many similar requests for videos during this. Uh, yeah, show. all of y'all that have any kind of, or if you live in Texas, or even if you have ESPN, which is a pretty big market, and everyone should, please find anything we ask you to find and give it to us, including, we might as well get it out now. Yeah. Me and Bix found a match, okay, the greatest match that ever existed that no one may have seen. Is it Coco Ware and Chief Swenson? Is that the deal? Yep. Coco Ware and Chief Swenson. Again. Teaming. The Colossal Kongs. The colossal freaking Kongs. You all know you want to see that shit. And let me tell you something. Jeep Swenson, if anyone doesn't know, his name is Mr. Jeep Swenson because he could pick up a Jeep, which makes him cooler than most of you. And not only that, he is basically, he's like Van Vader, if Van Vader was on massive amounts of steroids and growth hormone. Yeah. And like he's, he's twice the size of the, the Kongs as far as wide, but it's all muscle. Well, he's dead now, but still, I mean, he was really big when he was alive. Yeah. Until steroids took him away. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, if anyone has that match, if Global even aired in some, you know, UHF station down in, you know, Waxahachie, please tell us. Please sure. see wow. it. Back to uh, Bonnie for a second. She actually showed, I, she, she ended up in, in WWF, and I hear rumors Vince McMahon tried to, to bed her, so to speak. And Wow. Just Desperation hits. Are you serious? <laughs> you know, That's awesome. Joe Pettacino used to post to... Uh, Rexport Pro Wrestling, so he may yes, very he well did. be listening to this. You better watch yeah, yourself, I, Rob. I think I tried to email him on. I can't remember because I actually, one year, I remember I had traded with tapes with Brandon Baxter when I first started trading tapes, and we'll talk about Brandon Baxter later. Yeah. But I remember he sent, like, this mass Christmas card email to everyone in his address book. <laughs> so I had, like, his email, Bonnie's email... This is, I don't have it anymore. Oh. Like, all of Brandon Baxter's weird friends, Derek King in Memphis. <laughs> but, yeah, and, you know, Bonnie, I thought, was actually pretty good in WWF. I mean, she better was. than she was in Global. I remember her interviewing the Heavenly Bodies when they first got there, and uh, Jimmy Del Rey referencing Miss Vandersnoot. And she had this look on disdain on her face, like, yeah, I would never get down with a gigolo like you. And then she, like, winked at him because she knew that shit. He was hitting it, and you know it. <laughs> and Joe Pettacino, when he's listening, is just getting really pissed at me right now. But I'm just kidding. Bonnie Blackstone is a wonderful virgin teen young lady, and I'm sure she never did anything cross in her life, and God bless her. Oh, and before we get off the topic of Bonnie Blackstone, though, someone has to find the URL so we can look it up on Wayback Machine or something of her old personal website where she had the list of reasons why Jesus was cooler than Santa Claus. <laughs> well, I don't think I came across this. Wow. There's a story I'd like to read. Interesting. Good stuff. 
Wow. All I remember was uh, Santa's only around one night a year, but Jesus is there every day. Oh, that's awesome. If they close this with a big picture of Joe dressed up as St. Nick, it's awesome. <laughs> I hope that's the case. I think we should talk about the tournament now before we yeah, Are you sure? Night. This is really good. We could probably extend this to seven shows. But okay, yeah, we'll talk about the tournament. <laughs> yep. Buddy, yeah. Buddy Landell rocked in it, but like he didn't wear knee pads and he looked like he didn't want to be there. <laughs> he got, I yep. just I just watched this and, and the the TV title tournament they started with they had like mm-hmm. they had four tournaments and actually I, I guess it'll be five because the the Patriot who was the, the the big big star they pushed around not only mm-hmm. won the TV title tournament he went on to win the North American title tournament necessitating him giving up the TV title which was put up in another tournament so which was not as monstrously long as the other one no but it but it was probably the might have been the best one because it had Eddie Gilbert against John Tatum. Yep. Remember, and it had, remember uh, Hudson referencing the old days, which is great. That they did and that. it had uh, Eddie Gilbert cheating to beat Gilbert in the finals in creative fashion. But uh, yep. One of the best matches ever. But I actually just watched that, but um, maybe we'll try to go in order. So, yeah, the TV title was first. They taped, That might have been the first set of taping. And I'm looking at the brackets right now. I just I can fill you in on, on anyone. I just watched Well, that. I know, but... Bill Irwin wrestled freaking Phantasma. That was Mexico. a he didn't give Bill Irwin didn't give him a lot and pinned him with a gut wrench suplex. So, mm. Which granted this was 1991, but um yeah that was a very bizarre match. Yeah, Phantasma he, looked like he had lead in his shoes. Yeah. I was expecting some crazy flying shit and it just wasn't. I like Phantasma for some reason, but mm. and Phantasma Junior. I think I'm the only one. Uh, no, I haven't seen him in like ten years. Like, let's face it, I used to like uh, Bonnie Blackstone too. So I don't know, maybe <laughs> I'd like Phantasma if I saw him today. Yeah, they know. brought in, like, the randomest luchadors. They brought in him, and for one of the other tournaments, they brought in Teeny Boss as the Aztec. That's right. He fought with Bad News uh, Brown in the North American Yeah, title. I remember that. I didn't know who it was him, though. Cool. Why couldn't he just yeah. beat uh, Tenablis? Yeah, no I know. No one, can, no one can ever spell or pronounce his name. Uh, I guess that's, that's Yeah, that's true. Cause I, just, point. I was going to repeat his name, but I just said <laughs> him instead. So. <laughs> so that is very true. Another thing, and I'll ask Dix this, if, or even you, Joe, if you all watched it when it actually happened... Yeah. Okay, the idea was to push Patriot, right? Yep. Yeah. Cool. I was a big fan of tall wrestlers. Patriot was 6'5", so I thought he was cool. But yeah. by the end of the second tournament, I hated the Patriot with every goddamn fiber of my being because he won everything, and they just kissed his ass so much. that you. And then he even, <clears throat> like, even in the match with Buddy Landell, he almost lost, and they reversed it. And then he won the other tournament. And, like, when Dark Patriot, who they said was Saddam Hussein, came in, <laughs> I was actually rooting for Dark Patriot. <laughs> That's how bad the Patriot misfired on me. I think, I it, actually, I think know, it was just, the uh, the North American title tournament. It was the finals against Al Perez, and that's where yep. he had his foot on the rope or something. So they had to have a rematch, yep. and Patriot won that too. So, Yeah, I remember they used to say, oh, the Patriot, he shows up to church in Little League games wearing his mask. Mm-hmm. And I'm like – Yeah, look at what the Patriot's doing now. He's selling <laughs> his gimmick for a dime and a half and a cup of coffee to Tom Brandy. <laughs> well, Meanwhile, he's on HBO. What's he didn't that? sell it. He didn't he sell didn't. it. Oh, well, no, he's no, he claims he never sold it in Tom Brandy's disconning people by saying wow. did. Wow. Well, that Which does makes me love Tom Brandy even more. Wow. Yeah. And the TV title tournament, it also, probably the highlight of that, besides uh, Phantasma, was the Axel Rotten Adrian Street feud that never happened. That was something else. Because I remember, oh boy, Adrian Street, but he's wrestling super fat Axel Rotten with a fake British accent in 1991, and it's like, yeah. And they were allegedly rivals in England. So yeah, in in Adrian Street, yeah. it sold ten million punk, albums in. Uh, right, and, and the punk, punk, and punk rock Axel Rotten, for some reason, is stealing 
Adrian Street's entrance music that he sang. Yeah. God, I remember this now. Okay, you're right. That did yeah. happen. And the show an idiot I am in 94 when I'm like ECW diehard fan number two, like yeah. I was watching it and Axel didn't talk English and I was like, hey, <laughs> what's going on here? I bought that accent so bad. So then I look back and like, okay, dumb shit, way to go. So yeah, I, I was completely wrong. But yeah, he did it. It was good. If, you, if a 13-year-old Rob Naylor bought it, I'm sure all kinds of other dumb kids across the country are buying it. So good yeah. job. Yeah, yep. Also in the uh, the TV title tournament, I have to mention Rasta the Voodoo Man, who... Oh, uh, man, Rasta the Voodoo is, Man, now, no, now better known as Terry Tate-Off the Slimebacker. Terry Tate-Off the Slimebacker mm-hmm. with a somewhat, well, busy, I want to say, a, a great movie career, but he's done okay for himself, and holy shit, was he horrid, because I remember him and, uh, yeah. him and Jeff Gaylord. Um, yeah, they, they did an angle where... Well, still freaking Jeff Gaylord, though. What's that? <laughs> No freaking Jeff Gaylord. It's not like the match would have been well, good yeah. facing Rip Rogers even. Did, uh, I don't did know, Jeff Gaylord? I don't know. Did Jeff Gaylord well, not yeah, change? Rip Rogers. Yeah, oh yeah. But did Jeff Gaylord Rob not? The Voodoo Man sucks ass. I don't like him at all. I, he might be like <laughs> I think a one-legged Elegante now could probably outwork Ross of the Voodoo Man. I Wait, Elegante only has one leg. Yeah, man. He had uh, diabetes and like oh, wheelchair bound, and ever since yeah, they had to take his leg off, man. Maybe both. I don't know. I won't. I didn't know leg. that. Reference, so yeah, a lot of people don't know that. I just I remember reading it, and I was a huge Elegante Mark for obvious reasons. So like when I uh when I read about it, it, it stuck with me. But yeah, he's uh he's definitely being wheeled around somewhere in Buenos Aires right now, saying I want the bout. Man, now I want to see uh, Elegante teaming with Finley against Zach Allen and the other one-legged guy. Yeah, why not? There you go. Why not? I think if we can get a big enough uh, what do you call that? What's a fake leg called? The prosthetic know, leg. Prosthetic. There you go. And I work in the hospital. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it. They'll get a big enough one of those, and it'll be on. But yeah, I hated Rasta the Voodoo Man. He just even at the time, like I remember, as a total Mark who didn't know anything behind the scenes at all. I even thought Zeus was better than Rasta the Voodoo Man. <laughs> Seriously. Rasta had trouble running the ropes in his match, and, and decided yeah, to do he, that I very mean, frequently. Yeah, he's just really bad. I mean, God bless him now. I'm glad he's doing something he's good at. But yeah. yeah, he found his calling, thank, thank goodness. Yeah, wrestling certainly wasn't it. Uh, I, have to, I have to mention this about Jeff Gaylord. Did he not change his name because he, he played college football and wanted that authenticity? Because that, that, ain't, that ain't the best name for uh, – even, even as a youngster, I'm like, God damn, I, oh, yeah. not a good name. But No, you didn't want to be Jeff Gaylord. No, you <laughs> didn't. I didn't then and I don't now. But um, Wow. He's a real dick, though. I've heard a lot of stories about people not liking Jeff Gaylord. Is this where he tried to collect the bounty on Eddie Gilbert? Yeah. (laughs) That's the the best story ever. Call out for Steve, like, well, did he he stiff Eddie Gilbert on money or something? I don't know. Not call out for Steve. Gordon Scazzari, it's claimed. No, I'm thinking Mm -hmm. of the wrong AWS. Something, there was something with money or whatever, and he put out a bounty on someone to beat up Eddie Gilbert. So he just, like, sucker punches him backstage at some show, and Eddie said to him after, Jesus, why didn't you just split the money with me? <laughs> so, And then after, he got Medusa to beat him up. That's awesome. <laughs> Jeff Gaylord, you suck at life. I'll tell you what, Jeff Gaylord, if he was a modern-day wrestler, he'd have been that Sean Stasiak dipshit that runs into stuff, because he can't get nothing right. <laughs> oh, we were talking, I think, the TV title tournament. and uh, Sure we were. Muck and Sting getting DQ'd for choking... Uh, Chris Walker with his uh, turban. You know, I really li- I liked Muckins. I like a big. He's a good big fat guy. Oh, Muckinson was awesome. He was awesome. was awesome. I've come around yeah. on Muckinson. He's good. Yeah, you all got to see what the matches with Owen Hart. Yeah, 
Yep. I imagine. Roman Calgary. And, and the WCW stuff with Pillman was pretty good, too. Yeah, the Pillman and then Kevin Sullivan had some amazing matches for Kevin Sullivan's matches, crazy-ass brawls and shit. He was very good. And I, what I wish I could find, and I'll give a shout-out for anyone that might have this tape, too, v- Mug and Sing team was like Vulcan Sing or <laughs> Vulcan Sing. It was Gary Albright, who's like my favorite. But I think the idea of Muckin' and Vulcan Sing... <laughs> Has got to be great, you know what I mean? Especially if they run against the Bulldogs, which would be even better. But I remember that vaguely. So people recognize and make sure you let me know about it. Um, before we move on to the next tournament, it should be noted that the initial global tournament used the alleged European-style format, where inst- instead of having a regular final, it would be three guys who would each flip a coin, and the odd man out would get a bye, and the other two guys would wrestle each other in the semifinal. Yeah. Which I liked for some reason, but I don't understand why it existed. Yeah, I, I liked it too. And I like the idea that they flip a coin, and I really remember really liking the way they sold the coin flips. The people that lost were really pissed. I don't <laughs> even remember who lost, but I remember the coin flips being sold effectively. Light heavyweight title tournament was next. Yes, the best one of all, by the way. Love yes, and also the the best, probably the best weirdest uh, junior heavyweight title tournament ever with the uh, weight limit of 237 pounds or whatever. <laughs> they had all sorts of uh, weird guys in there. I mean, you had a bunch of job guys, like all the other tournaments, but you had uh, Rip Rogers, which makes it more awesome. Mm. You had, uh, who were the bigger guys? You had John Tatum as a light heavyweight. That's right. Iceman King. Parsons. I think King Parsons. Oh, I think King Parsons against Adrian Street in a match where they were both wearing zebra patterned tights, and the announcers yeah. made fun of it. And Adrian was after his Rudy Poot stick, by the way. Oh man, the Rudy Poot stick. The Rudy Poot freaking stick, baby. The coolest <laughs> gimmick ever. That was the stupidest name possible. That Rocky Maivia made a lot of money off of. Yeah. Did the Rudy Poot stick exist before Global in World Class, or did he bring that in? Glo- in- I think it existed well. because he had it as a blackbird when they were with that other with that manager. Shit, I forget his name. Uh, Harold T. Harris. Yes, who was awesome in his role. And I, honestly, if that's a blackbird DVD, would be the greatest shit here too. But yeah, and the blackbirds were uh, Parsons. No, well, no, they had another one in Global though. But the blackbirds originally were who? Parsons. Brickhouse Brown. Brown. And that, I think they also had blackbirds though with some with like. Some of the original three birds, or Angel at that or something, that it wasn't just Black was, uh, first. Iceman was with Angel. I think it was Black Bart and Buddy Roberts when they turned on Michael P.S. Hayes. Mm-hmm. And I believe they dubbed Iceman Blackbird. And then after that, he went to Memphis. He uh, took uh, Brickhouse, who just turned as a Blackbird partner, and Harold T. Harris, the man ended up joining them, too. And that's when they start brandishing the canes, which he may or may not have referred to as a Rudy Poot stick. Yeah, I know there was one that actually said Rudy Poot on it. Huh. Yep. And they made a big deal out of it in Global. If there was a Rudy Poot match, or if the, I mean, if there was a, an Iceman-King Parsons match, 97% of the time you'd have Craig Johnson or whoever was commentating make at least 57 uh, Rudy Poot references throughout the match. So yeah, that is good. The, I mean, the Light Heavyweight title tournament sort of kind of sucked for the, like, first <laughs> round. Did it all. <laughs> so, I mean, no. After the second round, I'm looking at the bracket now. It got kind of fun, besides Brian Adias, Rob's favorite Ugh. wrestler. Yeah. But uh, so there was some... I mean, you had uh, Ch- yeah, Lightning Kid had a good match with Chaz. Jerry Lynn had a good match with Terry Daniels. Adrian, Steve for, Adrian Street versus Steve Simpson was really good. 
Steve was freaking underrated, dude. He was good. He was really good. And John Henson was alright, too. Goofy looking guy. Yeah. I'm Very sorry. Very goofy. But during the John Bon Jovi era, you gotta <laughs> recognize people like them were a lot more pal- palatable to the females than Brad and Bart's Batten, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> Although Jason and Mark Sterling, as far as all the twin brothers go, own everyone else, so let it be known. Man, Jason, oh, Jason Sterling was awesome. Yeah, well, I, gotta, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta finish that Jason Sterling DVD to send to Rob. Yeah, J- uh, Jason Sterling's the greatest wrestler no one ever heard of. And if hmm. there was ever a match with any uh, Eric Embry that you want to see, it's Jason Sterling against Eric oh, yeah. Embry. That MFR would take pile drivers off the top rope to the apron to the floor. He's freaking crazy. He should have made it. Hmm. Yeah. And the, anyway, the light heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back to this. Which should have had Jason Sterling, but <laughs> yes, he could. Yeah. Lightning Kid and Jerry Lynn wrestled in the finals. And uh, that certainly blew our minds. As, yeah, yeah, that I was... Um, Lightning Kid, of course, wanted to become 1-2-3-Kid, uh, Six-Pac, whatever, and super skinny back then, and doing crazy shit you just didn't think wrestlers would do. The best thing, he did the uh, dive onto the interview stage That's in the right. final. Yeah. That was awesome. That was crazy. And that was, oh, and he had the awesome Lightning Bolt sideburns. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Which, obviously brought the uh, likings of the gorgeous Tessa to his side later that summer. Tessa was this chick that would just latch on to any wrestler, it seemed. And she latched on to him a bit, and she was his manager for at least two weeks, I believe. But I think that was that disappeared. Though. Yeah, and then she disappeared forever. Huh. Yeah. And she, she really ruined him because he went on to China, so figure that out. <laughs> yeah, but she was John Tatum's valet before that, and uh, I guess she was his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But... Um, who turned face and joined up with Phil Dundee, which was an odd-looking couple. But, man, Tessa, she was like, even when I'm like five years old, I knew she was especially pretty for a woman in wrestling. Yeah. Hmm. She hit the spot. Good old Tessa. God bless you, hon. You're she way better than Bonnie Blackstone. <laughs> as, I love me as if freaking Tessa's listening. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the tournament was really good. I think it was the breakthrough for, I believe, Chaz. And uh, Jerry Lynn and Lightning Kid and Randy Rhodes. Or, okay, not Randy not Rhodes. Not Randy Rhodes. Everybody else really kicked ass. And uh, to me, that was when it put Global on the map. I yeah. kind of liked them exposing the business and saying where Ric Flair was. That was cool. I liked Buddy Landell on my TV screen and Billy Black was great. But when they had that junior weight tournament, man, put it to the next level, I thought. And then they eventually Lynn and Kid. And I kind of remember if Kid left right after that. Had the uh, hold versus hold two out of three falls match, which was awesome. Yes, but the cool name, like I guess Craig Johnson named all the moves, like the cloud burst and the lightning strike. Yeah, yeah like power bomb was the cloud did. burst. Yeah, yeah. Don't ask me how I remember this. The tombstone was the lightning strike. I feel like he had one more move, but I can't remember what. I think it was a leg drop off the top, or maybe a flipping leg drop. Uh, no, I remember he had a leg drop, but I'm trying to remember what the uh, lightning themed name was. I know the the power bomb was a uh, cloud burst. And, right. Uh, I forget. And that was a time when not every Tom, Dick, and Harry, Manny, Moe, and Jack were doing power bombs. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was cool like to see something like that on TV. Skinny little guy, and he's doing a power bomb. Mm-hmm. I remember loving it when he had the bench with Bret Hart on Roy years later, and he did the fa- power bomb for the first time in forever. Mm. Yeah, and that was. And awesome. Not only that, but you remember the coolest move ever in the history of global. What? Okay, it was when uh, I think it was the end of one of them Chaz matches where. Someone loaded, I think Lightning Kid loaded his boot, and he kicked Chaz, who was, like, leaning forward, and Chaz took the best ever whiplash ricochet back bump. I mean, he just got kicked with Lightning Kid's boot with a gimmick in it, 
But yeah. you'd have thought it had, like, an electrical wire in his boot, the way this dude bumped on this shit. It was awesome. Like, to this day, it was still, like... I think if people could pull off, like, a back bump so fluid, it's like, boom, forget about it. Pat Tanaka, man, Pat Tanaka. Okay, Pat Tanaka and maybe Tony Mamluk when he was bendable, and he took that to Jerry Kick. But aside from that, I don't think anyone else could touch that shit. It was really good. We've got to finish up the tournaments quickly, yeah. <laughs> but just so we can go on to the later, weirder stuff after Pettacino left. We get the tournaments, though. Uh, who's the weird, who are the weird ones we got here? Uh, oh, Dan Lane and Steve Cox. Yeah, Steve, do it to it, Cox. <laughs> do it to it, Steve Cox. Do it to it. Yeah, he was a little bit of a weirdo. Um, I don't know. He looked like, honestly, everyone here is about, oh, well, that guy was a right dude in college. Steve Cox <laughs> looked like he legitimately probably was uh, really indulging and passing roofies out to everyone. He was a really weird-looking dude. <laughs> and when when Stan Lane and Cornette turned on him, I was happy, and he was the good guy. So Wow. Yeah, and uh, he had Brady Boone as Firecat. And he was originally good team with Jim Brunzel, but he no-showed. And, uh, I just lost where I was looking at, because the match, I remember saying to you the last night, but the match, that the match would have been awesome if Brunzel was in it. I'm trying to remember. Oh, it was, no, wait, it was, wait, it was against the Davis brothers. Oh, I misread it then. <laughs> I'm looking at the brackets wrong. I was thinking, oh, man, they would have faced Johnny Ace and Bill Irwin. Which was, that's the, that's actually my favorite weird team, besides the two cartel oh, teams. Yeah, Johnny Ace. Yeah. And the car- man, the cartel. Yeah, we got to explain the cartel yeah. now. The, the, the cartel was um, it was an early angle. It was, yeah, it was the uh, it's bad guy stable. You had you had Cactus Jack, Muck and Sing, uh, newly turned Rip Rogers, and and Scott Anthony, who of course went on to become Raven. And the thing was, they had the boss, who was the mysterious, the who ended boss. up being being Max Andrews, the commissioner of global or something, and. Uh, and- which got dropped in the best story ever, as I learned from Craig Johnson. Which, yeah, get this one. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, to summarize the whole thing in brief, they had this. They were promising the boss, and they revealed the boss eventually. Originally, it was going to be Medusa, but well, actually, no. I think he said first it was going to be Jeannie Clark, but then she got signed by WCW. Then it was going to be Medusa. She got signed by WCW. Wow, I never knew this. Yeah, then it was going to be... It was on the freaking Craig Johnson thing. Don't you... you got to retain information, guys. <laughs> then it was going to be Akbar, but they realized that that would be stupid because every, no everyone had seen Akbar for years in Dallas. So finally, Max Andrews just says, you know what, I'll be the boss. No one will see it coming. And Max Andrews, you know, he was the head of the syndication company. He was officially the promoter. And he, you know, he had been on TV a little bit for, you know, on and off for a few years you know, starting world class, and he did, they decided to make him the boss, and they played this tape that uh, Joe Pettacino recorded when he was doing segments for the GWF hotline, and he overheard uh, Scott Anthony arguing with the boss about how the boss was going to put extra papers with Scott's name on it into the random drawing for the TV title tournament. So anyway, he comes out as the boss. Right after that, it's mysteriously dropped with the excuse being that it turns out that Max Andrews and Muck and Singh were undercover agents <laughs> who were approached by mysterious international businessmen. For, yeah. Until the day I die, I will never forget that they used the phrase international businessmen Damn to expose Rip Rogers or something that didn't make any sense. Wow. So the reason was that uh, one day, John Horde and Craig Johnson and Max Andrews are going to a meeting with Eminem Mars about sponsorship, you know, because it's also... John worked behind the scenes doing the syndication with Max. And one of the Mars reps says to uh, Max Andrews, 
no, what's this I hear about you turning your back on your company? And they dropped it Oof. because they worked at Mars. <laughs> wow. Stupid assholes. I'll tell you one thing. I remember that one where you, you just referenced the Pedicino turning. Or no, no, when he found the tape, right? I remember it was the dumbest cliffhanger ever. It was like fat old Joe Pedicino runs out, like there's donuts waiting for him, and he goes, I got the tape. I know who the boss Oh, it's the worst thing ever. And if my voice wasn't totally effed right now, I'd totally do a better justice to it. But he's like, I know who the boss is. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. And, like, I, I never really cared who it was. And then when they actually showed who it was, I like the way they led into it, because I think they did a, a thing where Max Andrews came out to pick names out of a hat, and, like, some dude came out and was like, yeah, I want to be in it, and he shuffled the names in the hat, and you could see Max Andrews getting noticeably, like, pissed that he ruined him, like, picking the number that he had, oh. you know, stuck in there, so it was pretty good. But, yeah, the boss angle, I can't believe the Mars thing. I think it's a classic, but with GWF, you knew that shit would go down anyway, so... Didn't Max Andrews host, like, a golf show on, like, local Dallas television? I think he did. I think he did. I don't know why I don't know this. <laughs> Whatever. Finally, they had the North American title tournament. Yes. And I can't believe we're spending 45... We've already spent 45 <laughs> minutes on the first... Dude, uh, I'm telling you, we can spend 24 hours on this. It's amazing. Anyway, anyway yeah, I, I have all night, so... Whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was probably the second best tournament because it had Bad News Brown against Austin Idol. Yeah. And it had Terry Gordy powerbombing Cactus on the floor before Vader did it. Yeah, and Cactus doing the first time ever, in my opinion, or in my knowledge, elbow off the second rope to the floor where Gordy moved and he hit the floor right before he did it to Sting two months later, which was yeah. awesome. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, you had Bad News Brown against T.A. Bloss. You had uh, Steve Cox was still around, Axis for the Demolisher against the Patriot. And it ended up being Patriot, Perez, and Gordy. And Perez beat Gordy for some stupid reason. And then Patriot beat Perez. And from reading the observers, turns out the finish was blown here by someone. I forget it. I think it was the referee. Probably Perez. I was going to the referee of Perez. But the idea was was that Eddie Gilbert would be a distraction. Oh, no. Eddie Gilbert came out after the next match. At the next match. But anyway, it was that his foot would be on the rope and the Patriot would be a good sportsman and tell him that the pin wasn't fair and then restart the match and then he'd win again. The ref just ended the match and they ended up doing it, doing the match over in the next syndicated show and then Eddie Gilbert debuted and Patriot beat Perez. And that, by the way, when uh, Perez turned on Eddie Gilbert, when he found out Eddie Gilbert was doing underhanded dealings, Gilbert was awesome because he made... Al Perez, a total piece of shit, looked like the king of wrestling, taking these crazy-ass, you know, bumps. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. Al Perez, the best wrestler ever at suplexing a tackling dummy. <laughs> yes. I liked but, his uh, promos. He had good promos, I yeah. thought. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I've got to mention, before we go on past the first three months, Gilbert's uh, promo after beating the Handsome Stranger to win the second TV title tournament, which I just watched, is the greatest thing ever. Because he had, he had Scott Anthony sneak a foreign object onto Handsome Stranger's hand while Eddie feigns being knocked out, and then the referee sees it and disqualifies Stranger, and Eddie wins the title. And then he does this interview after, and he's telling him that he, that Stranger hurt his eye. And Craig Johnson's like, no, it was the other eye that you were hurt. It's that one that he was grabbing before. It's like, oh, I mean, I'm getting all confused. I might have a concussion. Yeah. Yeah, oh, my nope. God, I love that line. I'll say this, too. On, on top of what you just said, 
That the way they did that was better than any time Eddie, Gil- Eddie Guerrero ever did it. Like Eddie Gilbert yeah. and Scott Anthony were freaking great. Can you imagine if they stuck around? Man. What a great year that would have been. It's uh, it's funny because Eddie ended up leaving pretty soon into um, 1992. Went back to Memphis and built himself as I think the I think he was a global North American champ at that point. He, I think he built himself yeah. as a world champ and had unification matches against Lawler. I think and that's why the USWA yeah. Unified World Title came from. Yeah. Well, no, the US, it was always the unified title after the AWA deal okay. with World Class. They just kept the name the whole time, you know, because Lord was saying, you know, even if you take away your AWA or World Class title, well, no, it was still the World Class title, but if you take away the AWA title claim, I'm still the unified champion. I'm not a company champion. I'll wrestle whoever. Which, I, you know, I'm going to sidetrack for a second because this was sort of in, around the same time, uh, just for a second. The observers from 91, which are interesting because it goes into a lot of depth about something I didn't know a lot of before, when Lawler was going to wrestle Lex Luger. Hmm. And that's probably something to go into more another time, but basically they were going to bring back the NWA belt after it was gone for a while. Lawler was going to win the NWA title tournament and then unify it with Luger. I mean, Luger would win. But anyway, global. So now we get to the weird crap when they start leading money more and more and stop flying in all the cool guys for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, you still had Eddie Gilbert for a little while, then he turned face, but he was booking, so of course he brought his brother in as the Dark Patriot. <laughs> I have to mention, Who? the Dark Patriot was, it was, um, it was great watching him come down in this black bodysuit with red stars, and he had the same jaunty music as the Patriot did, which was, which yeah. made for a humorous, uh, <laughs> And uh, Doug Gilbert, he he kept that. Like I remember in the when Eastern Championship Wrestling, he was using that. And I think elsewhere too, which is weird. You think you would kind of need the Patriot to kind of have the the, the Dark Patriot. But <laughs> and then for some reason, ECW, he became Dark Patriot too, even though he was the same guy. <laughs> yeah. Did and, the only nut that would jump off scaffolds and shit though. So yeah. you knew it was him. I know he was Doug feuding with uh, with Eddie. I I don't I don't know if the plan was for him to unmask, which would have been cool if people you know, yeah, were aware I, I who never, Doug was, but it never got that far. Yeah, I remember hearing like on John Rizzi's radio show or whatever that it was Doug Gilbert, so I always thought he'd end up unmasking. But yeah, and Eddie Booking was fun. So, you know, he got his usual cronies. He got he brought in Sam Lowe, mm-hmm. who was his buddy, who was a photographer and stuff. As a, for, Well, no, I just saw him now as a planted fan that was searching Eddie for weapons. And then I think he might have been the heel ref guy. Oh. I, was that Sam Lowe? Uh, Sam Bass Lowe. I don't really know. No. I do know exactly what you're talking about. But I do remember the fans searching Eddie. And, uh, as soon as I remember Gilbert's one. left, I remember next thing I remember was like Tug Taylor and Giant Warrior. It was very weird. Global was so like on and off in my neighborhood. Like I would see it every half year. So. Oh, we should mention. Yeah. I should mention the uh, the Bruce Pritchard angle along with Dark Patriot winning the. Uh... Yeah, Bruce Pritchard was himself as an yep. announcer, and. Then all of a sudden one day he just curses a sto- up a storm and walks away. Then he comes back. Then he helps Dark Patriot win the North American title and turns heel. Yeah, there was some something where I guess Patriot lost the the North American title and Bruce Pritchard's just like, well, I found it. And then uh, during the match, Craig Johnson's like, well, where'd you get the belt? And he starts flipping out. He's getting cut. You know, he's getting bleeped. And, and there's a, a great message that says, uh, for some reason, Bruce Pritchard's language becomes unbroadcastable. And then ah. he just goes down the ringside and. Uh, I can't like telling I remember that. Craig Johnson, he's a piece of shit, and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. And that was that was, that was something else. And then, uh, yeah, th- then uh, Gilbert ended up leaving, and that took us to whatever the next phase of global would have been. 
Oh, oh that I meant to know for Rob, Big Bad John, the global Big Bad oh. John. Big Bad John. <laughs> he was awesome. I don't think he was good at all in the ring. He might have been worse than that dude that was doing voodoo. But he had the coolest ring entrance ever because he was Big Bad John. It was such a cool <laughs> place. Hey, there didn't even need to be a guy that walked out. All I needed to hear was Craig Johnson do that stupid voice, and I'd have cracked up and been entertained. Big Bad John. I don't know where he is. I think he got work in Puerto Rico where everyone eventually goes. But uh, I thought he was good. I wish he would have been around longer. All right. Oh, so anyway, then we move on to the weird global period, which, as my cousin Eric reminded me, we have to talk about Jack Victory coming back in as a babyface to feud with John Tatum over pizza profit. Pizzas, yes. Okay, that's when I got back into it. And I really kind of wondered why on my wrestling TV show we were fighting over pizza, but hey, it was global, <laughs> so I was right into it. I said, awesome, man. Go for the dominoes. And, like, I, it was a good feud. I liked it a lot. And I, I was a shoot, too, because... You know, the only thing better than a regular angle is a shoot angle, and a shoot angle about pizza, come on now. So I was really liking it a lot, and I, yeah. I, I, I liked it when they were Hollywood and Hot Stuff International, too. So Explain this this pizza angle to me, because I must have missed this. I must have been studying or something, because... Uh, you do it. I've been talking too much. Okay, uh, well, Jack Victory had a pizza shop, and okay. if my memory recollection is good, and it probably isn't, but still, I'll just make shit up... Uh, John Tatum claimed that he also was co-owner of the pizza shop, <laughs> and I guess Victory, <laughs> I guess Victory got pissed because he said it was his own uh, thing. And maybe it was a rip on that guy that sold pizza for WCW. You never really know with Global, so I don't oh, know. Jim Hurd. Jim, Hurd. Jim Hurd sold pizza, and he wasn't part of the angle, but I think he kind of was. <laughs> and uh, I guess Jack Victory then said he owned pizza, and then. Uh, Whatever happened, they must have fought or some shit. And then all of a sudden, Rod Price showed up, and he started teaming with John Tatum, too. Oh. Am I halfway right on that? Maybe. Maybe not. Well, no, John, no uh, John Tatum and Rod Price had already been teaming up. Oh, were, so it was after. Yeah, okay, I just made all that up. Things. I there was a California connection, and yeah. then uh, Sweet Daddy Guido Falcone joined up with them, and they became the Coast to Coast connection. Oh. Okay, I remember that. You're bringing it back. Yeah. Guido, Sweet Daddy Falcone. At this point, everything's good. I think we're, it just runs together. So sure we're going to go over random crap yeah. out of order. But uh, just looking over old results, they had job guys named the Geekoids. <laughs> I saw something on that. Someone's like, the best thing to come out of Global, the Geekoids. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck Geekoids? Dude, the biggest what the fuck moment ever is a guy named Sebastian, who is actually oh. a fucking knockoff of Jameson. And so they figured, okay, well, we did a pizza angle on Jim Hurd, so we'll get the WWF and Lord Al Hayes now, because we're going to take this loser that was on primetime that everyone turned off when he came on TV, and we're going to make our own with some other reject from, you know, lower Dallas. So this asshole comes in, and he does, like, a horrible Jameson impression. As bad, Jameson might have been the worst thing ever on TV, so you can imagine a horrible Jameson impression. And then they even one-upped him because they had a guy named Francis Crybaby Buxton, who all he did was cry, and he looked like about as much of an athlete as I am. And they feuded him with a guy named Calvin Knapp, who looked just like Doug Furness, and I thought was the future of the business. Calvin Knapp, I, I remember him in a title history, I remember. I have to. Uh, yeah, he, he looked like heavy Chris heavy Walker heavy. without the... Was, without the, the uh, he was, light heavyweight Bally. title. Wait, Two times. Him and beach, it was the beach volleys. Him and Portel? I think. Uh, Portel, he ruled there. Portel. Oh, no, that was Sean Summers. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking over results now. Yeah, but that, that was awesome. They were the beach volleys, and you knew they were beach volleys because they came out with sunscreen on their nose. There you go. Yeah. That's better than Wet and Wild. <laughs> Wet and Wild was Sunny Beach and Steve Ray. Not like Stevie Ray, but the, the, the guy the that's Stevie Ray that's psychotic. 
Yeah, and man, Sonny Beach was a guy from around here, and uh, yeah, he was. Who is a bit of who random? He was part of a random trivia deal because he was uh, Johnny Ace's partner in one of the All Japan Tag Tournaments for some reason. Huh. Ninety-one, I think, or ninety. Yeah, yeah right. in, I remember including that. Including the uh, in the Dynamite Kid retirement match, which yeah, and that's one of the biggest what the fuck moments I've ever had as a child. So I was like, what is he doing there? Yeah. Very random. Like and Brody that, Powers. Brody Powers also was in New Japan, and he might have also been in Global too, if I'm right. Hmm. I think he he might, he might have only been in. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember seeing Brody Powers. I just oh, we gotta look on. We gotta look that up. That'll be a USWA discussion then, because I remember Ron <laughs> Brody Powers was like my hero, even though he sucked too. Like he looked like Bruiser, and I was stupid as a kid, so I thought it was just like Bruiser, but he really wasn't. But yeah, he should have made it. He got a WCW tryout and failed. <laughs> Thunder and Lightning were better than him, so that tells you how good Brody Powers was. Uh, Rob, I know, I, know, I know you want to talk about Tug Taylor and Chaz. Cause, uh, oh, I got to. We, got got to. to we have to cover this. Tug the Taylor versus Chaz, and uh, Chaz is just like this little skinny guy, and Tug Taylor is like a fat ass, and Tug Taylor also could have been Tugboat Thomas, he could have been Buzz Tyler, and he could have been Jerry Blackwell, even though Jerry Blackwell might have died by then, but all... Black Not guys either. with beards might have been the same guy. That's my uh, that's my theory. I remember they tried to make he him like really good. he was an Olympian or some huge worldwide star or something like a powerlifter or some such bullshit. Yeah, but. he didn't powerlift nothing but <laughs> spoonfuls of spaghetti to his fat face. He was okay though. As much as I'm dissing on him, Tug Taylor could fall off the top rope with an elbow and make the earthquake. And him and a guy named Butch, the Giant Warrior Masters, convinced <laughs> me that the Giant Warrior was the future of the business. He wasn't, but it was a good yeah. match. Yeah, and he was uh, he was tag team partners with, in in uh, all Japan, I think Mexico too, with uh, Nitron, Nitron, who later became yes. Big Sky and Tyler awesome. Bean. Oh, wow. But uh, they were the team. They were called Land of the Giants, yes. and they had a match with uh, Andre and Baba that I've heard called the worst match in the history of Earth. I've never seen it, but I'm dying to. I'm sure. It's yeah, awesome. that's a match we need to see. Wow. The Land of the Giants, was that like a Jurassic Powers take? That was when, like, dinosaur movies were coming out. I'll bet you they dressed them up as dinosaurs. At least that in was, my, my mind, it, it's, it's like that. And that was before the Jurassic Powers, actually. Wow. But, uh, yeah, oh, well, and, yeah, yeah. Oh, and if anyone in Texas or wherever it was has a tape, apparently, uh, under some other gimmick, Butch Masters, he's doing some gladiator gimmick, Butch Masters is still wrestling, and a couple of years ago, he had a match with Lance Hoy. I must see this. Wow. Yeah. That is something that needs to be consumed by all. Like, yeah. Giant Warrior was the biggest monster that had the worst physique ever. You couldn't tell he was fat or small, but he looked like a, uh, like a Sam Houston if he lived at Dunkin' Donuts, but a little taller. And that's a good, that, that makes a lot of sense. And Sam Houston was brothers with Jake the Snake, but they did a gimmick one time where they said someone was Jake the Snake's brother, and Sam Houston was feuding with Mike Davis, who was... Did they say he was a Jake? I don't remember them saying he was related to Jake. Maybe they hinted at it. But yeah, he was yeah. a viper under a mask doing his Jake impression. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I always thought he was related, but Sam Houston was for real. But I always thought yeah. Mike Davis was related, because I thought they were more similar facially and just the way they looked. Well, I think he's just his half-brother, and, you know, but you know, Sam, Sam looks a lot like his sister, though, Rock and Robin, you know. He looks kind of like Rock and Robin. But, oh, you know. okay. Nicola Roberts isn't related. No. Well, no, no, Nicola. Well, no, Nicola Roberts is Sam's wife, but her real name is Roberts, not Smith. Oh, that's right. And they had domestic issues. Okay, she would be his sister then. Okay, right. and that they feuded with. Uh, and and in global, Sam Houston and uh, Bull Payne. Awesome with Bull, yeah, feuded with Bull Payne and uh, Samantha. 
<laughs> with Paul Payne's wife, who left him for Bill Dundee. Yeah. Which is this is that's one of the reasons why I wish they really wish there was a Dundee family and associates reality show. Yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. Plus, I think I, Samantha might be lower on the totem pole than Bonnie Black. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with that. <laughs> good. Oh, speaking of uh, stuff that was done, remember uh, the winner Barry Horowitz? They did a winner uh, angle uh, for him. Years before WWF, when he pinned uh, Privateer Daniels, I think, then hawked the yeah, video. Yeah, but after, after he did the winner angle in Florida, though. Ah, so this is only the second time. Yes, this is not the, yeah, this was only the second time, but yeah, you yeah, pinned the winner. Jack Hart. I remember that. Jack yeah, Hart. but he, uh, he beat Terry Daniels, I think, and he won, and then he started selling a tape, or said he was selling a tape called Winning Moments with the winner, which was just that match <laughs> for fifty nine ninety five. Did they really sell that? Because that would be awesome. Uh, unfortunately, carny. no. That would be fantastically carny, but no. I'll, I'll yeah, add yeah. a sad story about Barry Horowitz. A friend of mine was in Florida, and he went into like a health food store. Apparently, Barry works there. And Roderick Strong walked in the store, and five people went up to Roderick Strong, and Barry Horowitz didn't get looked at. Aww. Yeah. Aww. It's a difficult time in the USA to be a job guy in the 80s. Wow. Tears are dropping. Jesus. I mean, Barry Horowitz is so much better than Roderick Strong, too. I would actually even say that. I'm a big Ronnie fan, but yeah. I know you are, but come on. I mean, Barry Harwood. Man, Barry Harwood was awesome, I know. He had only good. In Dito matches and Jack Hard. and Yep, and he had a great match with Conan as a wimpy. And he did Lucha <laughs> in like 1990 before anyone really knew the style. But Barry is a natural, so he picked it up. You know, we should get into the uh, the really bizarre shit. Uh, Rob, you mentioned Paul Bunyan's axe when you're... Uh, oh, yeah. The memories. What, okay, what they this? had a big guy. Named Paul Bunyan, and he okay. was taller than the giant warrior, and he was billed as like nine foot nine or something, just because he had to be the taller than Eligante. And he came out to this horrible campy, like, like a a guy around children, but not supposed to be creepy type thing, where all these kids followed this big, weird, creepy looking bald guy with an axe. And like he wasn't just bald, as in like he shaved his head. He was like forty nine, so like <laughs> he came in the ring, and like he was really slow. And, like, he wrestled a guy named Superbad, who was, like, shorter than I am, so he's, like, 3 feet 11, and he wrestled some other guy, too. And uh, he had beat them in a squash match, and I was the king of the squash matches, so I thought it was still a good squash match, but actually it's horrible. Because he did, like, an avalanche, but it was, like, the slowest avalanche ever. It was the equivalent to the soft slam that uh, Butch gave Iron Sheik on that horrible pay-per-view. It was an avalanche, though. And then he grabbed them by the head, and he'd fall down to the mat, kind of, but it was supposed to be a bulldog. But before he do it, he'd go, and, like, he'd fall to the ground. And it was awesome. And then after the match, he'd get an axe out, and, like, the axe was, like, nine feet tall, too. So, like, he'd pretend he's going to cut the guy's head off, and everyone would laugh. So, yeah, it was really good. I mean, I really advise people to see it. And he's another guy that went down to Puerto Rico after he was in Global. So Jesus. there's, like, a pipeline. Another match that every wrestling fan needs to see, the bungee match. Yeah, we should. Oh, yeah, this is kind of the uh, the pinnacle of of global goofiness. So, so the one thing everyone talks about in the later days of global. So, I, I actually I've never seen this match. I couldn't find it on YouTube. There's an appalling lack of uh, of global online on these videos. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I know someone, and I got some of it, but who has a bunch of global? So I got to see if he has a bunch of matches. I know I have, a, I have a tape somewhere that I got from Brandon Baxter that has it. But yeah, there was a there was a bungee match. Basically, uh, this is when. Pretty much at the height of bungee jumping being a big race for whatever reason at theme parks and crap. They knew and, the pulse. They knew it. Yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah, Global was on the pulse of a popular culture. They really were. Yeah. So, uh, Chance was feuding with Steve Stephen Dane, who used to be Steve Casey, yep. 
and they was over. It involved Taz's ex-girlfriend, who was some stripper named Alexa, Alexis, I think. And they do some deal where he'll, uh, where he said he'd get, he wanted to wrestle Stephen Dane, but he, and he'd do it in the stipulation match of their choosing. So they have him sign this contract without looking, and it turns out it's a bungee match. And they're like, they're you know, and David Webb, who's awful announcer, who became Elvis, sucks. <laughs> he, he's you know, you know, like Chaz, you just signed a contract for a bungee cord match, the world's first ever bungee cord match, 175 feet in the air. And then Chaz, like, <laughs> I think he was trying to stage whisper, but he sort of takes Dave Webb aside and says, I can't, I can't do this. I'm afraid of heights. But he says it like, so everyone, he well, first of all, he says it that everyone could hear it, but then it doesn't really matter because then Dave Webb yells into the microphone, not trust it, and not, you know, not, yeah. You know, betraying Taz's, Taz's trust for, you know, giving telling him the secret, and he yells, you're afraid of heights, Chad? <laughs> and he's and around act- his fat, round face. And, like, he looks like a duck, and it's great. <laughs> and meanwhile, as far as the tackling or whatever. So, yeah, they ended up having a bungee match, but before the match started, they do a test launch with Mike Davis, who at this point had become Maniac Mike Davis. After he unmasked with the Viper, he started being called Maniac Mike Davis, just for no apparent reason. Then he randomly became a crazy retard. Excuse me. Well, okay, retard is mean, but a crazy uh, mentally disabled person. There he still go. Yeah. But he was still a heel then. So anyway, he gets launched into the air and comes back with bumper stickers from the moon and various <laughs> planets. And a moon and rock. a moon rock, which became his foreign object of choice. So anyway... Fernandez's idea, too. He was heavily yeah, on Yeah, and he was booking then. <laughs> and uh, they, do this, they do this match. And it's the two of them wearing Zubaz go into this tiny little freaking cage that, you know, people would bungee jump out of, you know, on this crane... And they go up all really high, and they have a match. As and they throw shitty punches because they can't Irish whip each other. Yeah, and yeah, it's like it's like the uh, if you've seen the shark cage match on the wrestling gold set. Yes, exactly. Picture that only in a smaller cage, like ninety feet up in the air. Yeah, oh yeah, one hundred and seventy-five feet or whatever in the yeah. air. At least this was billed as. And the most horrible ring announcer calling. Yeah, but with Manny, with Manny doing color. Exactly. But. Well, a commentary, a, not uh, bleeding. <laughs> yeah, and they actually, it was weird. They had a camera in the cage, and, and they, they were cut it. to it a couple times, but, and also that there were no monitors. So you basically had Dave Webb and uh, Manny Fernandez staring high in the air, talk, uh, you know, not talking about how they couldn't see. But they didn't use the camera in there because I guess they figured it was too boring because they did too long a match or something. I think they so, were thumb wrestling up there. Like, yeah, so like, <laughs> like oh, most shit, of the we gotta, match, we gotta burn five minutes. Yeah, we do. But uh, for most of the match, it's uh, us, you know, with the cameraman craning his head up, uh, 175 feet of the camera, not seeing anything. Anyway, Chaz knocks Dane out, and then Dane tries to shake Chaz out or something when he's 25 feet above the ground, and then Chaz cuts a scared promo and cries. And he forgets Alexis's name, and uh, it's the best promo ever, though, because he's he's all you know, he's all winded and blown up from whatever, and he starts screaming, "My wife flashed between my eyes, between," and then he says the best line ever, "I saw the ground in 3D." 
Okay, we've got to run through a lot of stuff quick yeah. because we've, I've been talking too much. And my but we all, I talk too much, too. This, we should have known this was going to happen. But, yeah, they, uh, that was a, a forgettable moment. Yep. That's yeah, memorable. What, yeah, what random stuff do we have to go over now? Uh, oh, the young bloods going from being renegade warriors to uh, tribal, tribal nation. nation. Yeah. And literally you had the commentator going, well, they used to be uh, made fun of for their heritage, as if, like, renegade warriors is any more offensive than tribal <laughs> nation or whatever. <laughs> and they became that, the Brave Sky and Nakona, which at least were better names than the dude, the dude in ICW who was named White Cloud, which... Has not been actually for which eventually became Charmin Ultra, but it was a brand of uh, toilet paper. <laughs> Look at this shit. Okay, that's awesome. What uh, Sam Houston trying to attack Mike Davis with a t- chainsaw, then getting suspended for a year by the evil mobbed-up Commissioner Joe Castellini. Yes, and then probably the highlight of 1992 with the Ebony Experience winning the World Tag Team Belts from, I think, Scott Braddock and some other guy. And then the coolest thing ever was, like, they actually got a, lo- a huge new demographic of fans in, and they were going nuts. And at the end of the match, David Webb had the worst commentary ever because they win the belts, and he goes, The Ebony! And I was like, oh, my God, what's he doing? Like, he literally had a big O right there screaming, The Ebony. And it was re- it sounded like Ebony, though. But, yeah, he was really hyped up about it. And then that same summer... Johnny Mantell and Akbar had a reign of terror, and they tried to behead the giant warrior. And uh, there was all kinds of other crazy stuff going on. And then they went into an era where there was the Colossal Kongs and Ian and Axel Rotten. And uh, I think Ahmed Johnson stopped in because I think Brian Adias might have still been there. And, like, it was just crazy stuff. <laughs> and, and Ahmed Johnson is Moadib. Yes, Moadib. Yeah, doing Moadib. And crap. And you had Bradshaw's John Hawk. Uh, you had the Freebirds. You had... Michael Hayes managing Jimmy Garvin and Terry Gordy. Yeah. Post, like, losing his brain, right? Isn't that, like, he had yeah, had... This is after Gordy died. This was the yeah. first time. This was, like, yeah. real late in the promotion. That would have been, like, mid-94. 94-ish, yeah. This is when Gordy wasn't there anymore, kind of. And he didn't yeah, know like, who he was punching. And people would just tell me, <laughs> oh, punch me in the face for real. You still got it. Okay, boom, you know. So he still looked good at times, but... uh Garvin, like, had, like, he didn't have the Jimmy Garvin hair that everyone remembered. He had, like, this short little haircut. He had his, uh, private plane pilot haircut. Yes, he did. And, uh, he had a Sa- Samu Nishimura on one of the last shows winning the light heavyweight title. Yeah, he was the last, uh, light heavyweight champ. They should make that the Muga, uh, belt if they don't have yeah. one already. Yeah, I wonder if he has the belt. I hope so. Why the fuck not? That would not? be cool. Yeah, he should defend it against, uh, Chavo Guerrero on the, uh, retirement tour. There you go. Yeah, see, uh, it's not, that's, that's a great idea. He defends the honor of global. Because, again, this is, a, this, is, this is my new fantasy booking idea. Against all sorts of weird guys that Mugo will bring in and just every and stuff. So he'll have, like, he'll defend the belt against Hiro Saido. So Hiro Saido can claim to be the WWF and global champion. And then you can have all, man, all sorts of crazy guys that Mugo could bring in. You can have him defend, like, the global belt against Jory Funk or something. And then if you won't do it anymore... Just, like, give it to a new guy and say he died of food poisoning. <laughs> <It's> the <laughs> best died. ending ever. He died of food poisoning on, uh, at a rest stop on the Autobahn. There you go. There you go. Wrap it all together. You know, Sc- uh, Scott Putsky was a North American champ, but he got fired while he was a champ. Anyone know what happened Yeah, there? he sucked. I don't, I don't remember this. Uh, eventually he had his dad's now. attitude problem, apparently. So I actually have the observers. A friend gave me these observers from 1993 and 94, so I actually heard about all this. Like, within a span of, like, three weeks... Manny Fernandez, Butch Reed, Scott Putzke, and some other guy that came and went, they all just left. So, Huh. Really weird. 
What else? I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember all this weird crap. Like, I guess I remember the earlier stuff better because it was on so much, and it was and it was better, but it also probably have seen more of it over the years. And uh, all sorts of, oh, oh, great job, guy names. With like, you know, you had the geekoid, you had Bullman down. <laughs> I remember a zebra kid from the um, who was Bill from Parts Unknown uh, and didn't have any zebra pattern on it. He was just a guy. He was a zebra kid, and he looked like he looked like he was. Uh, Access to demolisher. He looks like he was about that old. So, wow. Yeah. Rob, yeah, you had um, you had the hustle in quotes under. Uh... Ooh, Rip Rogers' finish was called the hustle. Oh, the hustle. Okay. And every time he did it, Craig Johnson would go, "That's the hustle," and he'd like freak out when he said it. It was really funny, as if he was trying to recant the old song lyric. It was really good. Oh, we should hit a uh, Brandon Baxter in the Teen Beat segment. You know, though, before we forget, because I'm looking at it right now, we gotta talk about before we get to Brandon Baxter. Perry Von Erich's last matches were in there. And then the Perry Von Erich tribute show where all the profits went to his daughter's uh, college fund and everyone worked for free except for Kevin who held them up for money and no shows. Oh. What a douchebag. Wow. Kevin Von Erich's a huge <laughs> D-bag. Although I did like the way he came off in that world-class documentary. Documentary, But yeah, he came <laughs> off really good in that. But uh, he knows showed that show. You have to be a huge... He might have been all messed up, though. He might have been hanging out with Brian and Diaz too much. And Speaking of that, uh, Global ran... Kevin Eric being high, Chuck. Well, yeah. But um, Global actually ran in the old Sportorium, which they redubbed the Global Dome, even though it was the same uh, old dump. Yeah. But, they uh, put in new lighting and crap, and it looked better, but... Eh, still... Oh, Brandon Baxter and Team B. Man, we're going all over the place, but yeah. oh, I don't good, care good. if this goes another hour if I lose my voice, but whatever. It's global. we got to talk about global. Yeah. But, I hated uh, that team beat. Like, I kind of liked it, but I, I guess they wanted you to hate it, although he didn't turn bad when he was doing it. But honestly, it's the precursor to the people you have out now, like Crone Metzler and things like that, where you have some <laughs> dork kid on a TV wrestling show going, well, I really think that Bullman Bounds doesn't have retardation. And, like, it was, it was interesting. You know, he had his point of view, which is good, because everyone deserves a point of view, but I really don't think it made or break, broke the show, unless they turned him at some point, but I don't recall him doing that. They did turn him. Oh, they did? Yeah. Towards the end, he became a heel manager who, he may have become a Muslim, because he God was aligned damn it, I need to see this. That's awesome. I don't know if he was Muslim, but he, he started wearing, like, African hats. Hey, and, as long as and he turned, he managed with he managed with the booth, and they had wow. a stable called The Union. Before, this is global uh, now. It's not USWA. This is global. No, this is like light period global. Even wow. before he managed the union, and I remember. I all I remember was that Rod Price was in it, and uh, what's his face? Oh, uh, Rod Price winning the. I think winning the belt from uh, Chris Adams when Backstreet's a stun gun, and whoever the kill was on commentary saying it was just a toy that he got a toy to rust. Wow. Huh. Yeah, I did not but, remember that. But yeah, yeah I hated like really, Brandon Baxter. Yeah, this is when we were back on in New York for like two weeks on Sports Channel. Ah. Yeah, and uh, Brandon Baxter, no, the two best Brandon Baxter things, though, I remember were that for some reason, some weeks, Teen Beat would be in like the world's tiniest little box on the screen. It would be like, like remember when, uh, like, in the early days of the wrestling on, getting big on the web, and one wrestling was streaming ECW. And, uh, oh my god, I remember the real little box. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of like that. Only with better frame rate, but anyway, there was that, and he had a, which I think maybe was an e, probably was an ESPN call, maybe because he sort of got threatened with violence. It was a teenager that didn't air on ESPN, but aired in Dallas. He had a birthday party that got crashed by Devastation Incorporated with Mike Davis as a clown. Wow! Wow! 
If any of this is on tape, if anyone has it. I need to find my tape of this because I remember he sent it. I asked him to send New Yorkers it. get all the good TV, man. I well, no, we didn't get that. this on TV, though. We didn't get this on TV. This oh, aired okay. Okay. Well, and you are resourceful reason. for finding it because that's pretty good. Yeah. Like Davis is a clown attacking a young Brandon Baxter at a birthday <laughs> fucking party. That's great. And uh, oh, well, where's Waldo guy? We gotta talk about where's Waldo guy. Yeah, whenever something bad would happen, they pan to the crowd. And go, oh, what the hell happened? It was always and the like, same. It was always the same camera cut. I like. I guess people in Canada with TSN are probably used to this because I, I hear that they show like the same crowd shots from '98 when a woman gets hit mm-hmm. on WWE. <laughs> but because uh, you'll like you'll see like DX and Austin 316 signs and like. But anyway, yeah. So there was this homeless looking guy. Doing like his little dance in a Where's Waldo type outfit, <laughs> and they cut to it every freaking time. Yeah, he didn't do a dance. Was he yeah, like spazzing though? It was like a spaz. <laughs> yeah, I know. I gotta find. I gotta find. I gotta find a tape that has a uh, Where's Waldo guy and put up like an enemy to get wow, to that make online. Make sure to him with Chaz. Chaz and the spaz. <laughs> yeah, but uh, oh, the worst Where's Waldo guy moment that pissed me off the most when I was little was it when they had uh, the. Terry Garve and Eddie Gilbert two out of three falls match where they searched Eddie before it. Yep. And for some reason, you know, they had a crawler on the screen on ESPN and there's something about viewer discretion because Eddie throws a fireball to win the match. And then, even though they had the viewer discretion crawler, they cut to where's Waldo guy when he throws the fireball. Viewer discretion. A homeless guy is going to be running around the TV screen. It might scare the kids. <laughs> and, uh, oh, man, there was something else that we really need. Oh, God. You take over for a second while I try to remember what I just had in my head. Well, they had, uh, I know uh, Gary Pearson took over. That was a guy that uh, I think Pettacino sold to in 92, and he was just like hiring his friends to be these wacky characters. Like, uh, there's like a psychiatrist, Dr. Alan Sachs, who was actually, I think, I think that's his real name. He was a professor at like the uh, University of Texas or something. And I don't remember. The actors? What's that? Did they hire actors at this point? Is that well, what they had Bastion, Joe Castellini, I guess were actors. Oh, uh, Gaston B. Means? Do you remember him? Uh, yeah, didn't be means the spindly old English man. Yeah, he made Lord Al look like a like a nice like a nice guy. Was he a wrestler or was he like their version? No, he was like this crotchety old man that would come out and go, "Children don't make me happy." <laughs> I'm Gaston B. Means. Like, oh, oh at the end, at the end, one of those things that we got when we had it again for two weeks was Kaz and Tug Taylor were teaming, and Tug had tie dye trunks, even though he's Tug Taylor. May have even bleached his hair at some point, but that might have been when he was a heel. But they were faces, and they had a manager who was secretly a heel. Even though he was a heel in front of everyone, they never noticed. Wow. They had this guy, Joe Bender, who would interfere, well, they, but they'd, they'd be none the wiser. That's like the uh, the, the Sting Luger angle. Luger was a heel. Uh... Yeah, yeah, but he was a face in front of Sting. Wow, Global is way ahead yeah, of me. Yeah, uh, yeah, and Luger did. Luger not knowing what a Chicago street fight was <laughs> because he was from white collar <laughs> Chicago, and the Road Warriors were from blue collar Chicago. Huh. Yep, and yeah. I remember the the, the the die job on Doug Taylor. And I remember thinking it was the stupidest thing that they ever could have done to Doug Taylor. Oh, uh, they had to a- differentiate him from Tug Thomas, though. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered now seeing Angel of Death. Name and result: Angel of Death titanium hand implant. What the frick is that? I don't, I don't know. I don't that remember that. Yeah, I, you don't remember that either, Joe? No. He uh, one time he comes on commentary, making his return, announces he had a titanium tendon implanted in his hand, so he can do the iron claw better than anyone ever. Wow. And yeah, he talks about. I don't think he ever did any of it, but he would always talk about how he could, you know, flatten any sort of like basketball or football and could dent a shot put. 
wow, why didn't you just punch people? (laughs) (laughs) That might have been a lot more effective. Oh, but you know what? He wasn't too smart. I think he teamed up with Jack Victory. He ate too much pizza, and it was bad for his health, (laughs) and it affected his brain. Was the pizza the um, – I'm going over the, all the n- notes Rob had where uh, – what was it? The big D oh, rivalry no. with free tickets and free Cokes being given to people. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's totally unrelated, but it's hilarious. <laughs> so, like, Big D was this promotion that also sucked, and it ran in Dallas in, like, 1993. And I think this guy named uh, – God, Freddie Fargo might have ran it or something. Yeah, but it's kind of big – yeah, big D. Like, these two shitty promotions in Texas <laughs> were stealing each other's shitty talent. And I guess, like, the one promotion said, you know what, we got six paid. <laughs> so the other guys were like, oh, yeah, we'll get seven next week. So, like, they kept doing that until finally there was a deal where they're like, okay, well, you can come into our show at Global for free. So then uh, big D said, oh, yeah, okay, dickheads. They're like, you can come in for free and get a free Coke. So then, like, Global was like, oh, yeah, well, Large Coke. <laughs> so, so Global, I remember, had 50 cents beer a night. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. it was, I remember reading an Observer. I think it was actually with a paid crowd, but noting that it was probably up because of the 50 cent beers. Yeah. That probably mm-hmm. should have been the hook to begin with instead of giving out free Cokes. But yeah. <laughs> I remember from the, from the results in PWI that Big D had a guy named Big D. Yeah, he was like their champion. And I think the owner of the promotion. It what a shock. <laughs> wow. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. Does anyone remember uh, David Webb having amnesia after being attacked by Manny Fernandez? And yep, yeah, he used a microphone. Yeah. He became Elvis. Jesus. And he sucked at this, too. <laughs> and he would eat, like, fried chicken on commentary. And then Doyle Finning took over and may have been worse. Wow. Doyle, Doyle Finning was a good ring announcer, though. He had the voice for a ring announcer. He was the shitty commentator, though. Yeah. I think he was pretty much there till the end. Yeah. Jesus. And also, and also Global, I think for Dave, except for Dave Webb, all these, they had all these really tall announcers. You got freaking, you know, Scott Hudson and Craig Johnson, Doyle King, all these really tall guys. I remember uh, Johnson and uh, Hudson build themselves as the world's tallest, the world's tallest announcing team. Yeah. Oh boy, what else is there? Oh, didn't uh, I remember uh, Terry Garvin? Didn't he change his name to uh, Terry Sims because of the Ring Boy scandal? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah and. Uh, that was the official reason. That, well, no, that was the real reason. I remember though he would go. He went on TV and he explained the reason was that Sims was his real name, but he went to a PTA meeting and kids and parents wanted to know why he didn't have the same name. Wow, uh, the PTA. That makes perfect sense though. I kind of that's out of all the things Global did. Let's face it. Yeah, that's PTA uh... would be upset with Ter- Terrence Trent Garvin. I think that was his name in Memphis when he first started. And then cause Tr- yeah. Terrence Trent Darby was a big deal at the time. So they came up with some guy. The and he somehow looked, even even after he dropped the gay gimmick, he somehow looked even more stereotypically gay. He ster- really stereotypically did. Gay. He, he did. Really I believe you. And, and he had all look, his looks horrible. horrible. And, you know, he, you know, he had the tie-dye teaming with Chaz, and that's wonderful. But He looked cool when he was originally looking like Jimmy Garvin. I thought he would have yeah. been a great Jimmy Garvin mini if they could have made one. <laughs> mini. And he, like, he was awesome, though, with, in Beauty and the Beast with Marceline the Beast. Yeah, and he, he became. The, that was such an awesome heel gimmick where that he did. He did a. I guess he did in Continental too, but he did. You know, he did in Memphis. He did in Dallas, where he'd only wrestle with his own special steam clean pink mat because he didn't want to get the germs from God, all the other wrestlers. Awesome. Do you have any of that on tape? Seriously. Yeah, I got some. I got some of his Memphis stuff and with the oh. uh, pink mat. And I know I have uh, some of his uh, Dallas stuff where he kisses Mark Lawrence before the match. And then Mark wow. says on the commentary, well, I don't know whether to laugh, cry, or get an AIDS test. 
Oh. <laughs> Isn't that after Ralph Pulley, too? Jesus. Mm. Yeah, Ralph Pulley. Ralph Pulley had it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Sensitivity training for you, Mr. Christian. I can't oh. believe he would say that. Now, what's wow. it with the only in wrestling, though? I'm sure probably more of that, but only in that. What's it with the only announcers dying of AIDS? Just Ralph Pulley and Rick, and, uh, Rick Stewart are the only guys who we know died of AIDS. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy, especially given the potential rat mentality that some people might uh, take to on the road. And, Plus, making and yourself Rick, bleed on a uh... and the yeah, I was gonna get to that. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me, and you all gotta get JJ Dillon's book. Just as an aside, this kind of reminds me of just talking about sanitary conditions. He has a story about how uh, they were going to do the internal bleeding angle with someone getting hit by I think Kenda Nagasaki in the throat. It might have been Barry Windham, and. For some reason, they decided to use someone's real blood in the condom. Oops. Ew. And I forget, you know, I forget, you know, so whatever. Somehow it gets thrown on the side of the ring and it gets out of place. JJ has no idea what to do, so he takes it and puts it in his own mouth <gasps> after oh. it falls in the ring. So he realizes later, yeah, that was not a good idea. Oh, boy. That not, oh, only was, not only was it blood, blood in, someone's blood in a condom... Some random wrestler's blood, but it was in the freaking ring. Uh, they probably got, you know, super staff. Oh, my God. Guys, wow. I want to go throw anyway. up now. That's gross. <laughs> what were we talking about that we got talking about that? What were we talking about? Oh, with the blood and germs. Yeah, and, uh, we're talking about the Terry Garvin, Garvin yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we take Terry Garvin into an age conversation. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, Terry Garvin's a good guy, and I'm glad he's I still he was around. actually pretty good. He was just way too gay acting to stop doing the gay game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his yeah. voice was great, though, for the gimmick, for sure. You know, I, I definitely I've, had a fan voice. I found a WF sued Global at one point, I found out. because wow. uh, Get this, because Global is a, a synonym for world, so I guess there would be confusion. Oh, well, where did you find this? I never this heard was on, that. Uh, it was on Wiki, and there's a link there to um, an actual, the actual, uh, I guess, um, what was it, the lawsuit. Oh, man. I don't know what became, I guess it got dropped or it didn't go anywhere, but. Herb Abram sued them, too. At the beginning, because he either for it was a contract or he had a trademark on Wet and Wild, so ESPN dropped either a segment or an episode, or just a whole episode again eh, that had uh, Steve Ray and Sunny Beach. So yeah, Jeez. yeah, Herbert Abrams sued them. Oh, here's the yeah, here's the uh, trademark opposition with uh, Titan Sports against Andrews Communications Corporation. Wow. They own global. <laughs> you know, you would get confused. Yeah, when is this from? Wait, when is this from? So, wait, I guess... I don't know if they defaulted or something. I don't know. Yeah, I guess... I guess Global won. I mean, because Great. they still existed <laughs> after they finally won something that's good to hear. They still existed after this, so... Who owns the uh, global footage right now? For some reason, the Savaldis. Huh. They uh, bought all the, man- all the stuff that uh, Andrews Entertainment syndicated. So they have... Uh, they have Global, they have USWA Texas, they have Wild West Wrestling, and they have the uh, most Jared or uh, World Class. Hmm. So, yeah, that's, that, you know, and they, they're the source for all, you know, the DVDs and the okay. classic superstars Which, wrestling show that showed up randomly. And By the way, we got a segue after you said that. Joe, I'm officially requesting that literally every Fed he just said, we're also going to come on and talk about <laughs> the, for oh, not two hours, because oh. nothing is better than Global, but seriously. Yeah, we've it wouldn't be as long as Global, but, uh, yeah, we got to do, we got to do Abrams EWF, we got to do IWCCW, got to do oh, USWA God. Texas. Yeah, we're talking about Wild West. I don't even know what that is. That was uh, oh, awesome. The Sterling Wild Brothers. 
Yeah, that's the storyline. So it was after uh, after UWF got bought by uh, Crockett. Ken Mantell, who was the booker, started his own group in Dallas-Fort Worth called Wild West Wrestling, and he stole some of the talents, including Lance Von Erich, who had to become the fabulous Lance. The fabulous Lance, the evil Von Erich. Yeah, and uh, he wasn't Mystic one of theirs. Wow. And they eventually got merged and got you know got absorbed into world class. But yeah, Wild West, which is actually pretty cool. I mean, especially the stuff after it was part of world class, but they still had separate TV. Hmm. Yeah, they used uh, Tatum and Victory and actually didn't talk about pizza, so that's a plus. <laughs> yeah, we got it. You know, I mean, this is, yeah, we might as well talk about it now since it's not going to fit as much on the other shows. That uh, yeah, that they uh, that Tatum and Victory had the Wild, Wild West tag titles. I think that might have been the only belt that Wild West had. Huh. And eventually got absorbed that a uh, small and SWAT team ended up having three tag belts that got unified together. Yeah, that that's true. That's true. Wild West. That. It was Wild West, Texas, and World, and World Class World, I think. Huh. I believe that would be it. Because they were running roughshod over everybody. And they became yeah, I just realized. Did Global ever have any Samoans? Ever? I don't remember, no, man. remember any. I don't think Man, so. that's weird. Not even, like, not... the lower-ranked ones, like L.A. LA Smooth or anything. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have Tonga. Tonga Kid wasn't working anywhere. No, he wasn't. Damn you, Joe Pettacino. What's your problem with Samoans, man? Nah, I mean, because I, especially, you know, you and I both love the Samoans. I don't know if Joe does. Oh, yeah. He does. Oh, everyone does. Yeah, who doesn't love Samoans? Yeah, they didn't even have Siva Afi. Siva Afi could have been a wrestling... world champion. How do you have a wrestling promotion for three years? On national TV, on ESPN, for the first couple of years, not have any Samoans. That's weird. That is messed up. You have to try I to not have, have Samoans. They usually. I, I mean, I don't think they had any Tongans. I don't think they had any Hawaiians, even. Oh. There's no Pacific Islanders. And you got to figure Muck and Singh had fucking Singh's phone number. So they could have <laughs> gotten Albright. He's at least in the family. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, man, maybe we should do a weird late period stampede show eventually. God. Most definitely. Yeah, you just have to have me and Naylor on it and talk about, like, the weirdest stuff. Like, if it's a longer lasting promotion, just do the weird crap. Yeah. So we can talk, you know, and, uh, you know, all the stupid crap, like Lance Idol and Stampede or all the things or Stampede. And we could just talk about Bruce Hart's ideas, and we'd probably have two hours worth. Yeah, you know, he decided that it was the most brilliant idea ever to have a black pimp named Judah Rosenblum. (laughs) Yep, definitely. Uh, Is there anything else uh, global? Man, anything major we need to cover? Uh, Let's see. They ended up on ESPN2 in late nights at some point. Yep. uh, When no one had ESPN2 yet. Yeah. And uh, they had the wacky logo, and... uh, what else? Uh, oh, for some reason, might have been, I don't know if it was their syndication getting taken over or what, but at some point on Channel America, at least, because I got a bunch of these tapes from someone, they started showing USWA Texas reruns instead of Global in, like, 92, 93, mm-hmm. but still had the Global Hotline commercials where you can win a Super Nintendo Entertainment System. There you go. Nice. I think I, I remember those. I, I can't remember if they were shown. I remember seeing something. It may have been... Some Memphis somewhere that was shown wildly out of order, like like one week it's like a loser leaves town match, and then next week it's it's this exciting newcomer, and it's the guy who just lost the loser leaves town match. So yeah, I've heard the Buddy Landell versus Patriot match like nine hundred times. Nineteen ninety, like even before it came out, I saw it. But like from yeah. nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety two or three, I saw it like a hundred times. Yeah, at the end of them being on regular ESPN, they would show the same crap from like the first week over yeah. and over. But sometimes they'd have new wraparounds with former Dallas Cowboy Harold. Uh, no, no, Harold T. Harris was the referee. Harvey Martin. <laughs> there you go, Harvey Martin. Yeah, I remember that vaguely also. Wow. And he was like really old by then, and 
even the world class announcing, which I saw recently. I think it's crazy that in like ninety three, ninety four, ninety four, Harvey Martin was commentating on wrestling, and Jim Brown was commentating on USC. So um, weird. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Brown in USC was the best. He really was with the uh, with the wearing the cap and. I could beat him in my day. Oh, great. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, he kicked Royce Gracie's ass. And you know, he said nothing of substance, but he got really angry when the fans chanted boring dur- yeah. af- during and after Gracie. What's wrong with these people? Uh, <laughs> <fan entertainment. laughs> was, I love I mean, Jim. Which was boring, but at least it was a better fight than uh, the second Severn Shamrock. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Because at least uh, Shamrock punched Gracie. So. Yeah. And global. Right. Okay, i got to scroll through this quickly just on the results on Obsessed with Wrestling to see if we're missing any good job guy names or anything. I'm just going to... I will just say how, how... You know, I mean, they were on ESPN, and, and granted ESPN was not nearly what it was back in 1991, but, I mean, goddamn, that was... It's pretty impressive when you think about it. And this was the last wrestling ESPN did uh, broadcast. Yeah, and this is probably for a reason, sadly. Well. But, yeah, I remember <laughs> that was on... I, it was better than AWA. There you go. AWA at the end just sucked bad. That's what they should call the uh, the inevitable DVD, the uh, the plateau and fall of global wrestling. Better than the AWA. Yeah, or they could just do ESPN, the bad years, and they could like put all the shit on, like like the Team Challenge series five times in a row the same week. <laughs> See Jake the Milkman Milliman wrestle Colonel the Beers, and no one take any bumps. And there's a turkey involved. Okay, great. But they had a guy named Frankie the Thumper. Was that Frankie DeFalco? Uh, I don't know. I wish it would be. Frankie, there was another guy, Frankie the Thumper Lancaster. Yeah, Lancaster. Who it, was, he was, he was oh, there was Frank Lancaster. Yeah, he was the Thumper. Wait, what's DeFalco's nickname? Uh, he was also the Thumper, I believe. Oh, he was? Frankie Everyone DeFalco was awesome. Huh. Him and Pete Sanchez, my favorite AWA job guys. And, uh, crap, what? Uh, no, I got a, there was a guy named Bam Bam Richardson. Hmm. Kind of the lost uh, Bam Bam. And this is going on forever. Oh, Brian Henning. Henning. <laughs> nice. They put an N on it. We'll be shifty. Is that right? Um, that wasn't Henning Kurt's was brother, was it? No, it was Henning. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I know, Henning. I know. Uh, didn't uh, Kurt have a brother? I remember seeing him in like a PWI 500. I don't remember. I don't remember his name. No, but uh, Brian he Henning. Did. I know they, they would speculate, though, that um, he uh, was uh, magician Doug Henning's brother. <laughs> Nice. Wow. Jesse oh, yeah, Henning was the first brother, by the way. I just remembered that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He looked like an anorexic, unhealthy Kurt. <laughs> so he looked like Kurt in 1981. There you go. That's yes. how I was going. But you were saying, oh, yeah, Sid was on the uh, Kerry Von Eric, uh benefit show. Yeah, and the Ultimate yeah. Warrior no-showed that show, I think, which is always... Wait, the Warrior was going to be on that show, too? Yeah, he was. was yeah. I remember that. He was. Good call. He's him and Kevin. Wow. And he was Sid Justice for some reason on the show, apparently. Huh. Yeah, that was weird. He was. Yeah, was he in Ron British at the end when he and Axel came in? I would have to assume so. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't talk though because he wasn't as good. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. He, no, no, he ended up being better. He just uh, ended up giving these long speeches. Oh man, I just remembered seeing the results. Manny Villalobos. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. We'll you tell the story because it involves Manny so much. You start. Best story thing ever. Manny Fernandez is known for his horribly racist angles. Like when he went to Puerto Rico, he went down and said that Mexicans were the pure Latin race because Mexicans were dogs. And like he said all these horrible things. And like he tried to paint Carlos Colon white. Like he, he, <laughs> Manny Fernandez never knew an angle that he couldn't make as tasteless as possible. Like he said he's going to kill Invader 3 and he had to vomit pig's blood. And then like he also did a deal where... Uh, he might have booked a thing where they took the guy without an eye's eye out with a... a, a he might have done that, 
Uh, and then, in, okay, in Global, then, he basically did a deal where there's a young wrestler named Manuel Villalobos, who really sucks, but he was a good, wimpy guy, kind of. But uh, he was this guy that basically was the most stereotypical, like, uneducated, poor uh, guy that just came to the country and didn't have a dime to his name, so Manny Fernandez would, like, make him do horrible things for money. And, like, one time they showed him outside, and they talked about his hut house. And, uh, he had, <laughs> yes, he, had, he like, would a proudly little... show off the picture of his hut house. Yeah, he had a house. And, like, Manny, like, knocked a cardboard box over and, like, he made a prick out of him. And basically it was everything that Ted DiBiase did with Tito Santana in an angle in WWF. But this was drawn out for, like, two months, so it was really funny. Or really ridiculous, depending on how you look at it. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. And I feel bad for Manny Villalobos. Wow. But then when Manny Fernandez left, they fired Manny Villalobos. Oh, the real reason. Yeah. No, but you're forgetting the big part, though, the big, uh... Climax of the ankle is when uh, Fernandez takes a, with a baseball bat or an axe to the new car that the Lobos got donated to him by a dealership. Guy, <laughs> good with the details. He did do that. That's really good. I remember it kind of. Yeah, yeah man, I need to get that whole angle then because I need I need him bragging about the the HUD house because I know I only have a tape of the I only have a tape of the car thing somewhere. Like, yeah, Lobos yeah. was awesome in his role, though. You really felt nothing but pure sympathy for the man. Wow. Oh, man. Uh, am I and David Webb was even good, like, talking about Manuel's misfortunes. Like, last week, Manuel Lobos' dog got ran over. His children I was, I think, kicked was out he of also school. the only one that called him Manuel? He might have been. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Mike Davis became rich and became Michael Worthington Davis the Davis third. The third. So he yeah, had, like, 18 forgot. gimmicks. Wow. He had so many gimmicks. Uh, I just got a got to scroll through this quickly because I just got to figure out if we're forgetting any weird names or uh, gimmicks. Um, crap. Uh, <laughs> there was a guy just named the Beach Boy. Billy Joe Travis was there for a little while. Huh. Which, uh, Sam Houston, after finally filling out and not being a clumsy idiot. <laughs> and yeah, he was finally, like, good. you know, like he was always like a guy that was going to be good. Mm-hmm. Because he seemed to have the tools. He was just a really clumsy idiot. Yeah. 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 I really liked him, though. I'm, I'm opposite of you. I thought when he put on weight, he lost it. But I like really? guys that bump like death. And, like, when he took Dennis Condry's clothesline, he was just a lanky MF. So he would just, like, get his ass kicked all the time. So I yeah. kind of liked him more lanky, but you're right. He was more of a complete wrestler when he put on the weight, though. Yeah. He, not, I mean, he was pretty good, though. And, uh, oh, Joe Castellini, the mob up commissioner, after he got arrested in Sicily for some illegal activities, came back with a beard being all solemn about how he was living in a homeless center, shelter. And uh, was taking out the trash for minimum wage and stuff. It's like the bookers watch soap operas. Like, <laughs> honestly, a lot of this stuff is straight off of, like, Days of Our Lives or some shit. I like it a lot. Uh, Gary Young and Drag is something I'm seeing in the results that I don't remember. I don't remember that. I just remember her. Big neither. Bertha Young. Gary Young. I'm trying to remember. At this point, though, he had human-colored hair, though, right? Yeah. yeah. Gary, Gary Young, for those who are not familiar, was, like, a job guy in, like, Texas and UWF, and then sort of worked his way up, and he was pretty good. But for whatever reason, he had, like, this perm that he messed up dying, and his hair was basically magenta for a while. Wow. No, but he was pretty good, actually. He I was like great. I liked him and Cactus more than, like, Jerry Stubbs and, uh, hmm. and Tony Anthony and Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden. They were all, like, I put those... Oh, come on, the Jerry, the Jerry Stubbs was, was better than Gary Young. Jerry Stubbs was awesome. He was. Jerry Stubbs was awesome, and Tony Anthony was very awesome, too. But I kind of liked the Cactus-Gary Young dynamic. I thought it was good. Yeah, but, yeah Jerry, Jerry Stubbs, Stubbs was good. We could do a whole straw on him, too. Yeah, Jerry Stubbs is the guy who, had, like, who I guess, 
more current generations wouldn't be familiar with because he mostly worked smaller territories, but he, he was awesome. He mostly stayed in Alabama. But Wasn't he, was, he Mr. Olympia? Yeah, was Mr. Olympia with Arnie Anderson at Super Olympia. Yeah, Mr. Olympia was awesome, too. Yeah, he was awesome. And then, I oh, he, I need to see, he did this angle. Man, we're just getting all these, like, sidetracked stuff, but it's fun. And uh, he did this angle where he lost a match match, and he was a face. But he turned, like, he turned heel, refusing to unmask, and talking about how important it was for him to be Mr. Olympia and all this weird stuff. Hmm. That's something i got to see. And uh, Jerry so Brian Lee was around for a second yep. when he still had the, bl- the long blonde hair, but and before he became an undertaker, and then started looking like John Bastow with long hair, mm-hmm. which is actually a Tom K line that I have to credit with him. <laughs> and John Bastow, he's, a power, he's from around here, apparently. Hmm. Yeah. We need to just do a, a show on stupid crap that's just, like, tangentially related to wrestling. Yeah, like, honestly, if you need like, a big body, probably do random. degrees of separation with literally any wrestler to another wrestler. I mean, we went from John Bastow to, you know... Uh, Brian Lee to Joe Murto to, you know, Coco no, I mean, Yeah, Great. you know, like, John Bastow's bodybuilders, so your bodybuilders randomly tied to wrestling, just random crap that was advertised on wrestling or was adjacent to wrestling. So, yeah, we got to do, like, an American Gladiator show and, uh... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's on ESPN Classic, too, in the end. We gotta, yeah, just, yeah, we got to do a show of all oh, just stuff that's randomly related to wrestling. The Shawala on ECW. The Shawala. <laughs> Oh, and uh, that commercial for the uh, weightlift for the uh, protein shakes or whatever. Yep, I remember that. And they it actually costs. I use. And then the other guy, ah, the leading brand. Oh yeah. And then he tells the price. He's like, whoa, I gotta use that. <laughs> yeah, I remember there was like this is this big whoa. On the head note, this is gonna be the best randomest episode of Joe versus the World ever. Yeah. I think we're very uh, much so. Yeah, I think we're done fun. with global. I think we're all done so, with global. So yeah, I'm gonna let gotta, you. Uh, I, if we missed anything, it's got to be super obscure, I imagine. So yeah, yep. so we're gonna end the show and then off air talk about our future plans for all sorts of stupid crap for me and Naylor to just go off yeah, about. This is the. I apologize uh, if I talk too much. We're approaching. We hope you enjoy global fans. Yeah, you know you love it. Yeah, you do, and I'm glad this yeah. is out there because there's just not enough global stuff out there. Yeah, there needs to be. I'm glad we talked about some of the random stupidity that occurred. But, oh, um, yeah, we've got to get our plugs in. Yeah, Rob is uh, Rob did not get his uh, Best of the 80s ballot in, but he did write about it at the new uh, Death Valley Driver Video Review number 165. You wrote about the Backland um, Takata match, yes. Yeah, that was the only one I really liked. <laughs> I just wasn't into it. It's all right. I heard everyone else loved it. Hey, cool for them, you know. People like different shit. But I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like it. It ran together for me, you know. And I didn't send in a ballot either, even though all this crap was my idea. Because <laughs> just, like, Excellent. I, I was just have not been in the mood to watch your style stuff. Yeah. Like, I watched the FMW stuff, and I watched the IWE. Yep. But I was just, I just for every reason, was on the mood to watch hours and hours of this. No, but at least at least you saw Takata back ones which you liked out of it. And yeah, you sent it to a friend of ours that's been watching it on a loop apparently since he got it. But yeah, uh, you have yeah. a podcast of your own. Come, yes, come I do. Spurts. And it has it actually has a name now. Now that I'm now that I have this horrible idea of starting a newsletter. Really? Uh, yes. Uh, oh, you have. Yeah, I didn't get the show on Death Valley Driver because I was suspended for a week for posting in the uh, anti-CM Punk thread saying Maria is hot. Whatever. But, uh, that wasn't me, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need to show that. Well, yeah, I know it wasn't you. But, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, right now, and I'm trying to, you know, maybe get that going. Cause, well, uh, what I'll say is, this will maybe will be the tagline. 
Not that good, but at least we have one more WWE source on the torch. Oh, there you go. Woo! So anyway, davidbix.com or loserleavestown.net, and I guess the podcast is now called Loser Leaves Town. And I have a bunch of wacky podcasts. I need to do more. I need to, I need to do more like this one with Naylor and crap with just random Internet people. because some Yeah, but don't underrate your podcast. He did some real good ones with both praise acts, I believe, or at least one of the praise acts. I got great. both praise acts. I got both praise acts. I got Lance Russell, J.J. Dillon, Scott Norton. An interesting Dipsy Joe show. But Dude, he pulled off fucking Lance Russell. Yeah, you had like Lance half Russell. And... I don't know how you did that. but that... Yeah, I, 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 you know what I did? I looked him up in the phone. <laughs> awesome, dude. It's more than WWF did, dude. Good for you. Yeah. All right, well. Uh, uh, yeah, Lance Russell is awesome. You know, i got to tell this story just to show everyone how awesome Lance Russell is. All right. When we were working out the date that we'd be doing the show, and Jesus Christ, I don't know how you're going to edit this thing down. But <laughs> to finish up quickly... Uh, Lance Russell, when I was calling to the show, he was like, okay, i got to set something up, and young, got, you know, Elmer's in the family, be going to Memphis, you know, because he lives in Florida now, and I'll let you know when I get back. So I get a call, I think like on a Sunday night or a Thursday, whatever, it was after 10 o'clock, and it's kind of weird that he's calling me this late, and we set the thing up. I realized after, he, because he's such a man of his word, as soon as he gets home from visiting his sick relative, he calls me to nice. set the thing up. Cool. So Lance Russell is awesome. Everyone check out his website, too, LanceRussell.com. So anyway, you finish up before I lose my voice, and this becomes the biggest. This is probably the longest episode. This is, actually, we passed that. I think our longest was previously uh, an hour and a half, and we are about ten minutes nice. past that. Well, so. You know what better people you couldn't have done that with? Good deal. It's global, so yeah. we had to do this. It's global, and so... My throat is sore, and you know, probably have a popsicle of some sort. And there you go. Well, yep, I got nothing to plug, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right, I encourage everyone to visit JoeVersusTheWorld.com or TheCubsFan.com for a full archive of shows, including all of Rob's previous four appearances. I think uh, three solo. Yeah, I like the last one a lot. If you can last find one, one is, before this one and then this one, listen yeah. to those because they're funny. Yeah, the last one is uh, especially fantastic. And next, the next episode is episode fifty. Which will be a big nice. supersized party episode. Lots we will have uh, lots of surprises, lots of guests. Get your cards and letters in for that. And uh, I think that's anyone else have any final words on global? Uh, God bless it. It's gone. Yep. Yeah, it was a cornerstone of my youth, and along with American Gladiators, and well, at least we had it. And it was it was odd. And what else could we? What other promotion could we just short-lived promotion could we do this long a show about? Yeah, exactly. Go on so many tangents about you know we're not going to get an hour and a half, well, an hour forty-five or whatever the hell it is out of uh, Herb Abrams or anything. So no, so global. wrestling every day on ESPN doesn't get any better than that. So on that note, I thank everyone for listening, and I will talk to you soon.